Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Thank you for listening to the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please support the show by subscribing to and leaving a five-star rating for the show on Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Podbean, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher, and any of your favorite podcast platforms. You can also support the show by going to our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, where there's always exciting articles by the BNG writing staff. While you're there, don't forget to click on the fanatics.com banner for a great sports fan shopping experience. Are you, are you done yet? We're Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. I am Heather Ingerson. It is December 6, 2020. This is episode 206. Um, Heather, that means the guy across from me is Mark. Hello, Mark Ara. What's up? What up? That's uh, another steal, another week that I stole that from Ryan Whitney, my favorite hockey podcaster. Um, but hey, what's going on? Nothing. Happy um, first uh, snowstorm nor'easter of the season. I know. Cold. So windy, bad. icy, snowy, depending on where you are. So bad. It is. It got so. I mean, it wasn't so bad here in Amesbury, where the Black and Gold Hockey Podcast Studios are. We only got like about an inch or two. But unfortunately, uh, further north, where our friend uh, Matt Barry and fellow co-host is uh, located, they uh, lost their power. I, I think he works on Spectrum, um, but he tried. Did make an effort to uh, get here today. And uh, try, but the the 5G that he was working on was really laggy, so it just wasn't it wasn't optimal to do a show this week. So we missed Matt uh, for two straight weeks, but hopefully everything gets back on 
um, connection next week and get him back on board because I know he was uh, a little frustrated with the whole situation and not being there today. So got to love that uh, enthusiasm out of Matt. And uh, we, we miss the knowledge. I'm not saying that we the program is bad when he's not here, but it's always better when the trio is together. So. Yes, I, I miss Matt, not just for his knowledge, but because, again, he's supposed to be stopping whatever crazy train is happening <laughs> yeah. between the two of us. But don't worry, Matt, we're going to do you more proud this week because um, we both have a little bit of sleep and everything and we're not. We both look a little like a little more bushy and we're ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so that being said, we are always sponsored by the lovely Bet Online AG, our favorite uh, and only show Exact, uh, exclusive show sponsor. Go ahead, Mark. Yes, uh, NFL football continues this week, which has a few surprise teams at the top of the standings. And you might not be at the game this year, but you can still be in on the action at betonline.ag. No matter how schedules change or players that play, betonline.ag is going the extra mile to make sure you get in on every game this season with the fastest updated odds in the industry. There are always more options to wager than anywhere online. Uh, head over to betonline.ag today and take advantage of all the great mid-season bonuses, offers, and contests. And please don't forget to use promo code CLNS50, guys. That's CLNS50, betonline.ag, your online wagering experts. And uh, this is not hockey related, but could also be bet online AG related. Go New England Revolution playing for the finals of the conference today. I know it's not a big deal to you, maybe some of you, but a lot of you are probably out there saying go Rev. So hopefully tomorrow when you're listening to us or later today, uh, the Revolution will have won uh, because there's still one team that could actually finish out a tournament and win and get to have the banner at the end, and it could be the Revs again. Uh, so feel free to put a bet on the New England Revolution. Yeah, uh, and also before we get started, which I think that's where you're going, Heather, I do want to shout out my friend at Top Shelf Hockey. Uh, I got myself a little birthday present yesterday. Well, we'll talk about that. Sorry about leaking that one, Heather. But uh, no, he does a great program on YouTube. Please subscribe to his YouTube channel. That's Top Shelf Hockey for the audio listeners. And if you can see on the YouTube side, it's a great little uh, uh, sweatshirt hoodie. So, uh, and I got a t-shirt coming too. So thanks to him. Uh, I got to tell you, he does a great job and, and helps me when I'm looking at a league uh, perspective when it comes to news and so on. So I go to him before these podcasts, when we're doing our prep, I go on, I listen, I, I watch a bunch of his videos gather information and so on to, to use for this program. So shout out to Top Shelf Hockey and please subscribe to his program. Absolutely. Get on that. But while you're doing that, I would be remiss. I know you got some birthday wishes on Twitter and stuff. And I just want to say happy birthday, Mark Allred. 151st birthday. You're looking good for 151, guy. I have Thank to you. Say. See the grays. So, uh, See the grace. Spill it a little. How was your night? What have you done? We know you got yourself a lovely hoodie. You know I'm a big advocate of the hoodies. I do. Um, it was fun. It was just uh, in COVID times. It was uh, uneventful, but we had, Courtney and I, my wife, uh, we had a blast together. Uh, we had drinks. We were talking, and uh, it was just, it was good. Got a lot of work done, too, um, with my regular 40. Came home and put in some more hours, but made sure I cut it off to spend some time with my loved one. And um, so, yeah, it was fun. Pink Whitney's and, and so on. And then the next night, somebody, uh, what was it? Oh, no, it was Thursday. Yeah. It was Thursday night that you 
creepingly send me this DM on Twitter. It says, look on your porch. Now, listen, I'm a sketchy, jumpy kind of person, right? So, oh, you are. so I get the message and I'm just like, oh shit, what's going on? And then I'm thinking, it was like, oh, it's almost nine o'clock. Please do not be a group of people outside because my I have neighbors and so on. So I, w- I open the door and I'm just like kind of looking around to make sure that there wasn't people that were going to be jumping out or anything like that. But then I look on the on my deck and there's uh, there's a box there, which is now even more creepier. But I walk <laughs> up to it. I walk up to it and there's a big old jug of barbecue sauce in the middle wrapped by some lovely uh, tissue paper. Great colors, Heather. But when I brought it inside and you take the tissue paper out and the big old jug of barbecue sauce, which I, I should have brought up and showed people, um, there was uh, shots. There was like pink Whitney nips and and, and uh, I don't know what the other one was. Fireballs. Fireballs, yes. So, uh, yeah, it was fun. Those are in the freezer, too. We're going to save those for a special occasion. Um, about the box was I was still at work, and I had things. To, I have, I'm, like, at work, but I'm a delivery driver, so I'm trying to do my errands, too, at the same time. I could not find, I don't know where all the Whitney is in this town, but I could not find a full bottle of Pink Whitney. Oh. So then I'm like, all right, I'll just get some nips. I'll just get some nips. That's fine. Travel size. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. And then there was only seven of those. So I was like, mm, what else might he drink? And then I thought I'll get the fireballs because I know Miss Courtney likes a fireball on ice. So thought you guys could share as necessary Absolutely. on that. But no, the funny thing is, is because I like, I didn't even go all the way up your driveway because it's hard to turn around on Mark's driveway. Yeah. I like, I'm at the end. I like run up. I'm surprised you can't hear like these nips clinking together or whatever. <laughs> and I send you that message. But now I have to like finish up at work and I'm thinking, Mark is going to be so creeped out because I, you are very skittish and I know this. I should have said I left you something or something. to, And then it wasn't until like an hour and a half later and you had posted that picture and I knew it. You were like, I'm a little freak, creeped out. Yeah, that was it was good. Thank you very much, Heather. Always there to uh, spice up my day. That's for sure. But I also want to give a shout out to everybody that did reach out via DMs. Or, um, or or tweets and, and posts on Facebook. Oh, my God. I got, like, over a 1,000 birthday wishes and uh, and, that's, and even more on, on the Twitter. So you, the Bruins family is so good to me, and, and uh, I love it. But um, And even the people that don't even know me even reached out to say happy birthday. So uh, that's very kind. But the support is very good, and, and we appreciate that here at B&G Productions Sports Media Company. So, And by the way, we're hiring when I say that. We're looking for writers, podcasters, YouTubers, um, anything. If you like to write about history, you like to write about game previews, game recaps, anything that's Bruins related and it's good content, good quality content, please reach out. Uh, Black and Gold Productions LLC at gmail.com. Send me a cover letter. Send me some stuff. Well, let's talk. Let's get this content train rolling. And I'm going to put content train right up here because I have one. My buddy Mike Craddy sent me a picture of one. So boom, boom, shakalaka. Uh, Well, anyways, birthdays are very important. I know people like other holidays and a lot of people don't like birthdays after like, I don't know, 18 or 21 or whatever. But I think important birthdays are the most important day of the year because it's your way of saying as a human, here's a big giant middle finger world because you did not take me down this year despite all you tried to do to take me down. And I think this year is the most relevant for that. So, but I didn't know this. I learned on your birthday watching all the happy birthday things. I didn't know that you and Miss Sarah Civ- uh, Sivian and um, 
Rick Middleton share birthdays all together. I didn't know that. That's pretty cool. Like I said to you, what the hell? I get stuck with Kanye West and you get two <laughs> awesome people to share a birthday with. Sucks to be you. Hates me. I, I know. I learned that. My 40th birthday, I realized that Kanye West and I sh- shared a birthday. That was a few years ago. And it's been a little traumatizing ever since. That's and that's funny. my favorite day besides Halloween. But uh, yeah, pretty cool people to ha- share a birthday with. Absolutely. Yeah. And the next day followed by Nick Ritchie was just the the, the, the icing on the cake. Did you see my my tweet that said I want I want to say happy birthday to Nick Ritchie, yeah, I saw that. but I also want to pretend that he never gave it to my life and or as Dan Heinen, and I know that makes me a bad person. I'm all right with that. Yeah, got a few laughs on that one. But I'm serious. Like I'm not a bad person. I love birthdays. I want to say happy birthday, but I also can't not call you Brett because. He was the only Richie I accepted in my life, and he got slapped me in the face over it. So you're kind of like the rejected little brother. I just want you to go away. Please let us have Dan Hyde. Speaking of birthdays, Heather, um, stay tuned later on in the show towards the end for the um, the This Week in Bruins history is an honorable Bruins mention for this week, so the upcoming week. And I, I hope folks like it because I did a little research on the fellow. It's uh, short and sweet, but it's it's some good info. All right. Well, that being said, speaking of something that was this week in Bruins history, uh, not the next week coming up that just happened is December 3rd, 1987. Uh, I think one of the happy videos that Bruins fans like to watch over and over again is when Ray Bork became number 77, went from number seven to 77. And we put Bill Esposito up into the rafters. It was a big moment. Um, it's always nice to see like those criteria, like man moments. You guys don't really let yourselves have them. Well, at least the older generations didn't weren't allowed to have them as much. But I think probably one of the most iconic moments in NHL history because it was like a legend giving birth to a different legend in a different jersey. You know. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I didn't know if you had any thoughts. I remember watching it on TV when we were kids. Yeah, I, I I was a 12 year old and I know that I wasn't emotional as I was for like the Ray Bork one because I was definitely in my in my later 20s. Uh, so I was emotional wreck back then. Uh, but as a young man, uh, it, it wasn't. But I was still in awe. I was just like, wow, this is just an amazing moment that um, Ray Bork uh, sees the the opportunity to to do something. I mean, it was talked about for so many years about when. This number is gonna, you know, it's gonna change this and that. And I think just Bork just did the real classy thing and just said, "Let's end it right here," and, and made it a surprise. And 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 the great thing about it is was there was probably only about three or four people that knew about the whole thing and the ceremony, which made it even better that it wasn't even leaked, it wasn't even this. It was just like, "Let's do this and let's get it done uh, in a classy, unknown way." So. Um, it, it was one of my favorite moments all time, and 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 I loved watching the videos on YouTube of seeing Espo and, and when he gets choked up because that guy never shuts up, you know what I'm saying? So <laughs> yeah. uh, even back in the day, so it was it was just one of those moments in in my history. Like I said, I was 12, um, and uh, you know it was just something I'll never forget, another moment. It's just and it's not it goes above the game. It's about the gesture and the kind thought that 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 person that Ray Bork was through and through. So. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, big fan of that day and big fan of, uh, of being 12 again. <laughs> um, well, I'll lie and not make you feel bad that I was 12 too. Just kidding. Yeah. I, yeah. I was nine, but what I remember is, I mean, when you're a Bruins fan, it's like, especially our generation that was born after the cup runs in the seventies, like 
that that team is so drilled into just your conscious of what hockey greatness is with little exception, except for maybe Gordie Howe, you know, and well, whatever else. Well, it's, so it's, it's it also the, like, it's also the parents that freaking filtered that down to us that got us, right. you know, all involved. And that's what we knew growing up. So, and I think for like, like you were saying, like, I probably didn't really, I understood it was a big moment. I remember Espo getting choked up. You know, I remember Ray, I can still see him taking the other Jersey off and I remember it was a big moment because of, you know, just whatever, Phil Esposito, whatever. I'm a kid from around here, you know, and we were born 12 seconds too late to have been a part of the, those early ones. But I think now being older and knowing more about, obviously, when I was nine, you were 12, you probably didn't know all the dirty, the the history, right, of what happened with, like, just like we didn't, we just knew who Bobby Orr was, but it wasn't until we were older that we understood all the crap that went down with the team and the same thing with Espo and, like, the crap that you know like the behind the scenes crap that just and I know it was a long time coming of reconciling those wounds but I don't think that at that age you I understood that and I didn't know that so now when I watch it it makes it almost that much more special right because it's like the healing again one legend I still get already a legend but he was still 20 years almost left on his legend before you know and it just it's a great moment and uh Glad that uh, when that came up, and I always get the chills, and we won't go back. All right, well, speaking of the NHL, we don't know if there are going to be any great moments in the NHL this year because we still have no idea when, if, how, when, looking sideways thing um, with the NHL. So we'll just do a little kind of sort of what we know, rumors of the current status of NHL return to play. Um, Gary Bettman, even though he still seems to have this January 1st, everyone's kind of I think agreed that yeah, January 1st for training camp, maybe buddy, but we're not starting the season on that day. Um, I know he and uh, Fuhrer hadn't been talking at all for a couple of weeks, but now everyone's talking again. That's good. Uh, so uh, that's, I just had dried down a few notes. Like they'll look in January 15th, maybe probably like 52, six, whatever, five games decided training camps after the holidays, because the players are not giving up the holidays at this point with their families, especially with the, um, they're still fighting about the deferment slash escrow, whatever. Um, and I also heard that maybe the owners might invoke some clause in there if the players won't agree. I can't remember the term off my head, some legal one, uh, which just happens when you have a league run by lawyers. So anyways, any thoughts? How are you feeling? I'm getting a little anxious. I am. Last week, Maria from of Watertown had asked us if we're getting, ner- you know, is it make us nervous about it? And I wasn't so nervous last week, but this week I'm getting a little nervous. I need to see something happen in the next week or... That's it. So that's all I have to say. But how, what are your thoughts? Are you frustrated? Like, what do you? Well, I don't know. I, I mean, yeah, the timeline, I'm frustrated that they're still sticking to that, even though it's it's a little bit unrealistic, in my opinion. But also, there's like new news that I'm going to dovetail onto this, uh, onto this topic. Uh, Jimmy Murphy from Boston Hockey Now is reporting that uh, some owners, including Jeremy Jacobs, are really not happy with um, with uh, Commissioner Gary Bettman because the fact is that they want to go on with the season. These owners are pretty much saying we cannot uh, move forward uh, as a business. So to save our company and what we have, we need to cancel this. Um, and that's kind of uh, a little disturbing. But the NHL as a, as a entity wants to move forward because they, they still have a commitment to make money and, and thrive. Um, I don't know. I, I'm, I, if they cancel the season, this is just not going to be good for anything. 
I really don't want to get involved in that. I really want to research a little bit more about it. So we might uh, have a, a little more comments about it next week. Uh, possibly a, a mid-show discussion this week. Who knows? But um, we'll, we'll talk about that later. But, um, yeah, I mean, the, the refer deferrals and the escrow are constantly being talked about. Um, and now it's, it just seems more realistic that, and a lot of writers like Elliot Friedman and Dreger and so on, and even John Shannon are saying that the target date now should be uh, January 15th. And I'm, I'm okay with that for two reasons. Uh, you create a little more time for your prospects and anybody that's on loan to come back over here uh, from overseas play. Quarantine the mandatory two weeks, man, you know, the travel, uh, international travel mandatory quarantine. That's what I meant to say. And, um, and get everybody involved into a training camp as soon as possible and, and, and hit that target date. The good thing about that is you also create a little bit of time to focus on the world juniors that are coming up too, um, which I think is very important because I'm a prospect guy and, and we'll talk about who's going to be involved in that later on. But um, it, it gets some little uh, TV time for them, not all just NHL and, and they're the back seat, but these next ones, they deserve some, uh, some contact too uh, when it comes to you know, digital media content and how to see them, how to stream them and so on and get involved. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm all full whenever it happens, the sooner the better, but listen, I'm just a fan. I'm not in these, uh, negotiations or these, 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 uh, tactics that the owners are doing, uh, when, when you say that they're going to be paying you back in March or May or whenever that actually happened, they returned to play. And now it's, uh, you know, we're in a kind of a, uh, a bind right here and asking you to take less salaries. It's just, it's something that wasn't agreed on. And, and frankly, I will agree with the blindsided um, narrative when it comes to stuff like that. So it's, it's just got to be, it's got to be worked out. But the ultimate goal, in my opinion, Heather, moving forward, and I'll shut up soon, is just you got to get the league going because of what it could do financially to this in future years they're already talking about a flat cap for five years now that went from three years four weeks ago when we were talking about it up to five years now so this is not looking good so i just want to see something happen for the sake of the game and and to keep it going and understand the business and so on and so but we'll see i just have a couple things that i'm particularly annoyed about and worried about one you bring up a good point about there are certain there's a few owners that are like, no, like we are going to lose more money if we have to open without any gate revenues for the safety. This It was one thing when they were going all in as a league and they were all shoved in one space. But now you're talking about 32 different cities or even if you decide that you're going to put three Canadian teams here and three there, but they're going to, you know, move back and forth that I can kind of see the owner's point of view on that, because if the owner's in order to avoid a labor dispute with their workers, which I don't buy this, I don't buy the bullshit that three months ago when you negotiated this contract, you did not understand we're in the middle of a world pandemic. And that, I mean, we've all known since the beginning, everyone has been saying it'll be at least a year and a half before mass vaccines. And no, someone had put out there, no, I don't think professional athletes should be considered essential workers. I don't. Essential workers are people who are essential to the basic functioning. And as much as I love hockey and baseball and all that, they are not essential and they should not be bumped up on the vaccine list. They're normal people in that sense. You know, they're not police or fire or nurses and doctors or 
volunteers that are doing these things at food no banks. No entitlement like that. situations like this. Right. Like, they're not people who are trying to help keep everything. Right. I mean, that being said, I can understand from a player, uh, an owner perspective, maybe like the Jacobs, they're like, look, our asses are in the fire, especially like, and you know, I never want to defend the Jacobs, but when it has to happen, it has to happen. They're screwed. All of their business not just because the Bruins, you know, some people, oh, it sucks because my Ottawa Senators haven't had, well, you don't have any revenue anyways, okay? But Jacobs, it's not just about that. Like someone had posted something funny about now if they play at Fenway, which we'll talk about in a few or whatever, like how much can you charge for a hot chocolate to try and make up 57 stadiums worth of like concessions, you know? At the same time, being a, a, a Bruins fan and an NHL fan, I can understand why the players are like, screw, you knew we were in a pandemic and you said we were only had to, you know, this much money was going in the escrow. And now you want to try and half it. Then you're looking at asking these players literally to take half their salaries. What other job in the planet? First of all, would your employees show up for 80% of their salary consistently? Only in the NHL do you show up. And I get 80% of $10 million is a lot of money, but still, you go to work 100% of the time and only get 80% of your paycheck and see what happens. You're not going to be happy. So I can understand both sides. But I think maybe we finally all come to a point where we all hate Gary Bettman and we can all work together. <laughs> and I feel like Jacobs is probably, Jacobs and a few of them are probably like, listen to me, Gary Bettman. The only reason you have a job is because of me. Right? Because if it wasn't for Jacobs and some of the bigger owners, Toronto, keeping him there all these years, having his back when other owners were. I'm not saying Gary hasn't done any good things, but we also have seen lots of labor dispute and lots of, you know, as a fan, we've seen it grow, but also only so much, you know what I mean? Like yep. that, that concerns me. What also concerns me is what you were talking about. If they don't come up with an agreement in the next week to 10 days, this can't start January 1st, the training camps, because everybody has to get back, like you said, from wherever they are. So even if Zidane Chara gets re-signed. He's in Florida right now. He has to quarantine for 14 days in Massachusetts. So before you can even put the players together, you need to go get them all back wherever they're going. Quarantine. They don't even know if we're, if obviously we all know realistically, there's going to be a Canadian division. The border is not opening before next summer. Let's be realistic. It's just not. It's our numbers. Every, I mean, North America looks like we actually set it on fire. And that's not even just from the actual fires that are raging in North that's America. That's the color of the map. It's the color of the map. That concerns me because if nothing can, even at minimum, they decide, they can handshake agree. January 1st, we're starting training camps. You People have to book flights. They have to get back. They have to quarantine. You might have moved to a new city, but you're not quite have permanent housing yet because it's a weird time and you kind of didn't, you know. And that's before they ever can train camp together. And on top of that, we don't really know how these games are going to be played. Just because the rumors are what these divisions are, we don't know that's actually going to be the case. Because it might be, I don't, I, I don't know. But I just, that's what concerns me. Time is running out. It's not, I do agree that it's not worth it if it doesn't start till February. It's just not. Now you're talking 40 games, and that's what the owners are saying. If we don't get at least 40 games, then we're just going to cancel the season. And I think the players are at, well, like, cool. You know what? As much as we love this, and they definitely of all athletes are the type of athletes that show up to work for themselves and their fans because their money isn't good enough to not. You know what I mean? Yep. Even Austin Matthews got to show up to make his money. You know, oh, sure. it's just that concerns me. And I can see from a player's point of view where because we are still solidly in a pandemic, you got new babies, you got engagement. 
how about screw, I'm going to have a little wedding and spend my first six months of my marriage with my new bride, you know, and like, I don't know. So for me, those are the two big things. I feel like I see both sides. I don't, I don't see the owners with like trying to keep too much of the escrow, but I can see where some people are like, I mean, then you got the teams like Florida Panthers and the Coyotes who they're damned if they do, they're damned if they don't, because they can barely pay their stuff anyways with gate revenue. So they're especially not going to make any money if they don't even at least have those 2000 people or whatever that show up. I don't know what their average sales is, but you know, so I don't know. That's I'm concerned about the timeline with the quarantining and with the. No, it all makes sense. Just, it all makes huge sense. You bring yeah. so many valid points to this discussion and, and it, I'm sure that it, it's all being discussed right now in these labor disputes. And, uh, you know, obviously hopefully it, it, it comes back. I need some hockey in my life. You know, I'm getting it worldwide though, which is I'm getting, it's feeding my fix, but it's not my Bruins, you know, tap my veins kind of crap. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, yo, yeah. Like I'm happy hockey's back. You know, hockey's on. You got college hockey on. You some of the leagues. You can get some of the. It's just it's not the same because when it comes down to it, we're all trying to be up here, and that's where we want to be. Um, oh shoot, I was just gonna say something. Oh, the important thing is we need to know because Braden Hopley's turtles or tortoises might need to recross the border and we need to know if that's happening or not. I saw that tweet. I thought that was pretty funny. Oh my God. The funniest part was when his girlfriend or wife or whoever had posted them with like the Canadian flag and Mountie hats on like home at last. Like, (laughs) I'm like, geez, what do they want from these turtles? I mean, I'm just, I mean, uh, tortoises, I'm sorry. I don't mean to, I do know the difference between I'm not not a turtle. I'm I'm not a turtle guy, but I, they, they, they look pretty cool. Um, so that being said, I guess just keep an eye out for the info on these social medias. I would say uh, within the next couple of days, uh, within a week, we could probably hear something from these guys, either in agreement or disagreement. Um, let's not go that way, but uh, it's going to happen sooner or later because uh, every time, every day they continue to wait, they're taking steps back. Yeah. So that being said, one of the uh, more... I think interesting slash crazy things that came out this week was that the Bruins, I, I know the ducks, which was super confusing to me, uh, the Islanders, I think, and one other team are, or at least are kicking around the idea of seeing if their local officials will let them play home games outside. Um, and with limited fans, um, this is insane to me from the Bruins for a couple of reasons. One, where the hell are the Anaheim Ducks playing ice hockey outside? I know that I've like, seen they hockey be in play. California before. No, but what I mean is that they wouldn't even be able to play in Anaheim. They would have to go to one of the colder climate areas of California because California kind of has distinct regions. There's the coast, there's the valley, there's the mountains. Like, do you know what I mean? In the desert. So playing in Anaheim itself is. It's going to be hard to play in a city that does freeze like Boston, let alone in a city that doesn't quite necessarily stay below freezing. Um, so I don't think it's feasible for outside games. I'm just like, that's just me. I don't know how in New England you're supposed to control. The minute you say we're having outdoor games, you know it's going to be mild in 52 half of the winter. So how are you going to freeze some ice in Fenway with constant weird ice? Li- I mean, are we going to... Ha- have them skate in this much slush ice snow rain like we got last night. I, I don't really know the logistics. I just thought, I just wanted your thoughts a little bit. And obviously Matt, he's not here with us, but you share your thoughts. He's probably on the same as us is, do you think this could possibly happen? I, I like, don't, I don't think so. Um, 
and yeah, there was a stadium series game at Dodger Stadium. Mm. Um, not not that long ago, but they made it work. Um, that's just that's just some really high impactful coolant that's going through that system, man. Well, that's what I mean. That's one game. That's not the same as playing twenty five home no, games. Right? No, 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 right? No, no. I, I totally get you. I totally get you. But a one off is one thing. I just right. thought you were saying that the location it, it couldn't happen. No, I've seen hockey game in uh, Las yeah. Vegas. Um, yeah. when, no, but that's what I meant. I just meant like for a one off right, or a two off right. is fine, but for a four month hockey season's a little. So going off of that, and where we live, we live in New England, and this is like it's a coin flip here when, with the weather sometimes because it could be 60, 65 degrees in January one day, and it was at one time. I did play golf at um, up in Hampton at Sagamore, so a uh, long time ago. Skip work for that day. Shout out to my boss, um, uh, but. And then the next day, it's like 32, and you got like three feet of snow. So it's just so, so up and down. We do not have consistent weather because we're right next to the, pretty much right next to the ocean, the Atlantic Ocean. So um, that being said, I don't see that happening. I don't see the ice conditions being good, regardless of, of some people that don't like the outdoor games and so on. I'm a big fan of the outdoor games, but I, I want them, and if their fans are permitted which I'm not sure in Massachusetts right now. It's, it's crazy how, how to think about this. But um, I don't think that Fenway was a great venue for it. And honestly, I didn't really think that um, Gillette Stadium was a great 2016 Winter Classic. I, w- I was there under, the, under the, uh, the, the gift of of a ticket. I mean, I paid half for it, but it was big money. But a friend of mine, uh, Arthur, he got me a ticket and got me in there. And the game the game sucked. You know that. But I was there for the for the surroundings and the, and feeding it in. I really could hardly see the action on the ice. We were in the end zone, right behind some some certain area, and it was just basically like a flat view. You know, it's just like you're watching the jumbotron basically, and it wasn't it wasn't very good. Now he has an idea: is if you want to do something like that, and can and think keep thinking about the weather and how inconsistent it's going to be. But like Harvard Stadium for their football. I think that'd be a great place for a hockey rink. I mean, you got that natural like like shape of, of like a rink. You know what I'm saying? So, uh, that'd be, I, but no, I don't see that realistically happening when a team's coming in in home games and you got pouring rain one day and pouring and and, and two feet of snow the next day. I, I don't see it. Um, I was saying, that's my thing. It's like, it literally, I remember when my cousin Stephanie brought home Mikey, it was his first Christmas. He was born like the week before Christmas and Christmas day, which rarely have I ever seen in my life living in New England. It was like 65 degrees on Christmas day, like almost 70 degrees. They were like outside playing football and shorts and t-shirts and stuff. I also remember my freshman year in college or sophomore year in college, waking up on April 1st to two and a half feet of snow that I thought was an April Fool's Day joke. Ha ha, New England weather people can't tell the weather until I woke up and looked out the window and there was two and a half feet snow blocking the door to open up to go outside. It was a good time. So I just definitely though, I have to say Charlie Baker might let them play the games, but he is not letting fans in that stadium because how can he? He hasn't let, whether you agree or disagree with Charlie Baker, he is a consistent person. So he's not going to say Patriots, you can have fans, you can't have fans, but Bruins, you can. You know what I mean? Think of all the money that the Crafts make on a Sunday at Gillette Stadium. I mean, it's like $105 to park, 
Uh, you got to, or you have to walk three and a half miles anyways to get where you're going. I like Gillette Stadium, but I hate it too. It is like in the mall, like next to the big giant mall parking lot. You got to walk miles to get there. It's Rampo City. If they're going to do it, if they're not going to do it at maybe BC or Harvard or wherever kind of place, you know, outdoor venue closer, screw. I mean, put it in the middle of the friggin' high school. I mean, the kids didn't get to play football, you know, as much, you know, put them in the high school and rotate them around the city of Boston. I don't know. Uh, but it just seems stupid to me. And also those kind of things only seem special, like when they're once in a while. But who the hell wants to pay for 20 home games of freezing your ass off? I mean, I love hockey, but I don't love hockey so much I can't be warm drinking a beer watching it at home on yeah, the TV, which exactly. is exactly what I've done. Although I would have loved to see the Winter Classic at Fenway because I love Fenway Park, even though I'm not a Red Sox, but just as it's just Nostalgia. the iconic yeah. stadium. And that one's better than Gillette, I think, for a location because at least Fenway is an intimate place. Gillette, although a football stadium isn't as big as it looks on TV, it's still like a monstrosity. So if you're sitting up and the end zone up, you can't see anything because by the time they cram everything around the hockey and put more people down, like you said, they don't put them in razors. Would, they just put like chairs. I would much rather be higher at both events because when I was at the one at, um, at Fenway, we had uh, grandstand seats right behind home plate mm -hmm. and we couldn't see. You, I mean, you couldn't see over the boards. You had to use the jumbotron to even see anything. So, and that was all the way around. So if you were on the bottom, like row one and two, you screwed. The most expensive seats have the worst views. And things yeah, like exactly. You're closer to the yeah. action, but you can't see a damn thing. You literally have to be up in the bleachers to get a decent view, or if you're lucky enough to get on the uh, the green monster seats and and then the club up 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 top. But anywhere below, when you're thinking, "Oh Jesus, I got this ticket for this and that," oh my God, when you got there, you're like, "No wonder why." <laughs> yeah. If I'm not in the first row at the garden, I have to be at least five rows back. I hate not being able to see the corners. Exactly, it drives me nuts. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know why. You know me; I'd actually prefer to hang over the ice and watch sure. it from there. But um, yeah, no, I just it, it's not happening. Let's be realistic. All right, you got a little. Um, We've got one of our um, newly new draftees class, you know, draft class 2020. Uh, he hasn't been a member of the Bruins organization all too that long, just since October, but tearing it up. <clears throat> I can't believe I'm going to say this. Tearing it up at BC makes me feel a little dirty bringing up the Eagles, but it has to be this kid is on fire. So uh, give us a quick update. Yeah, uh, I actually wrote an article about this late last night after the game. Uh, but Trevor Kuntar is a New York native. He's 6'0", 203 pound center slash left wing. And he's 19 years old in his first season at BC. Um, and they're, they're just a wagon this year. Um, he had uh, 49 goals, 44 assists, 93 points in uh, the USHL uh, with Youngstown. And uh, as a freshman at Boston College so far this season, he's posted three goals, one assist, four points in four games. Crazy amount that has happened for this kid in such a short time. Uh, zero points in the in the first game and a 4-3 win over UMass. First point with an assist and a 6-3 win against UMass the following night. Uh, first career goal on Friday night. Might happen to be my birthday, by the way. Um, uh, first career goal in Friday's 3-0 win over Providence College. And earned his first multi-point game last night in a 9-0 thumping 
of uh, Providence College and second straight win over the Friars in many nights. So good things coming from this kid and really, really it's the support of the Boston College Eagles and how uh, this Jerry York team is being constructed um, this season. And uh, he's playing third line, left wing, natural center, but on the left side. So um, creating some uh, really good opportunities for himself. I wasn't overly impressed with his first game. Uh, maybe some rookie jitters and so on, shaking the rust off. But uh, the next three earning points in, in every one of them was just a, a solid thing to see. So I'm um, looking forward to um, checking the games out. Um, this I think they got two more games, and then they don't come back until after the new year. Yeah. So, yeah, no, solid things about Trevor Kuntar and so on. And, uh, you know, just a, a, a good big kid that's probably just going to get bigger. And develop more, um, you know, regardless if he stays a uh, full boat at uh, at Boston College, and um, and you know we'll go from there. But some good things to uh, to see. Yeah, I saw a little bit of highlight rails, but he was one of the. We didn't exactly have draftees that just automatically came to your mind. You know what I mean? This year, and we kind of we had to do a little research on them after. Um, again, you're that's your thing. You're the prospect guy, I like to check in. But I saw some of the highlight rails are good, and Jesus. BC put the heart yesterday. Like, nine to nothing, whoa, man. Nine to nothing. I saw that on the, I was like, oh, whoosh. Oh, head coach Nate, Nate Lehman was not thrilled at all in these post-game interviews, especially uh, Mark Diver was pointing out that sometimes you have it and sometimes you don't, and, and we didn't have it at all this weekend. So 4-0, 4-0, they're trucking. Yeah, they're, they're looking. Well, they're, they were already ranked the pre- season rankings they had them pretty high but um they're certainly like they were like third but they're up at the top now they're looking like a powerhouse um, um uh, and shout out to uh spencer knight the goaltender he is four and oh he has a 1.51 goals against average and a 955 save percentage he is a florida panthers prospect but he's a goaltender and uh i'm already in love with this kid uh, yeah, I can't wait to see him play. Playing well, playing well. Yeah, so yeah. solid pick for them, even though they got Bobrovsky probably wrapped up for another 20 years, paying him $10 million. He's Hopefully new, this kid gets a chance over that contract. He's the new uh, DPH, right? Oh, yeah, he's going to – Bobrovsky's going to get paid a million dollars for the next 20 years. <laughs> exactly. And DPH is still getting paid a million dollars right now. So. Yeah, and DPH will still be getting paid while – I think that contract's over in 26. I'm not sure. Yeah, it's coming soon, like somewhere around when Brad Marchand's contract ends. Right. (laughs) Or pastas. Okay, well, that's good. Good things from uh, prospects down there. Um, I guess I did a random Twitter poll uh, last week. I don't know. This is just new ways for my random brain to reach out to other random brains to see what's happening. But um, this week was which team below makes you angry, not uh, just by seeing their logo, by thinking about them too long, or by them simply existing. And I put the Maple Leafs, Tampa Bay, Montreal, and the Flyers, because Inga just wanted to confirm the other Bruins fans still mostly hate Montreal first, even though our rival has been Toronto. Also, the kind of thing. I do think just like the other poll kind of tells your age or how diehard of a fan you are, your answer, just like Elfie won the other thing where... um, on this one, the Montreal Canadiens got 57% of the vote. So I'm glad to know it's still in our DNA because I'm getting a little worried. The kids seem to hate Toronto more. I'm like, but I don't know why we keep beating them. I could see if Toronto had beaten us a few times. Like, you know what I mean? It's the but, new fans. They don't know the history. 
Yeah, and I was, um, I mean, there were some great comments, you know, some other comments about teams and stuff, but um, I was also, I, I'm sorry, I, did, I forgot to write down, but so the Flyers only had 5%. I'm actually shocked. So that means that the younger kids don't, like we were again raised to hate Broad Street. It was like Broad Street versus cause. Like you kill someone in a bathroom if you need to over this fight. You so know you, I mean? you probably reach a demographic of folks that were around in the 75, 76 area time frame. So I think I have like a half and half because... 11% of the vote got the Tampa Bay Lightning. Another team, I think, I don't hate them as much as, it's like, I hate them because they're a good rivalry and I respect them, you know, and most of them, there are people on that I could live without. <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, and the Lightning and the Maple Leafs got about half, of, you know, a little over half, but 60% definitely. So that's either it's still bred in us or all of everyone who's answering this poll is definitely more in our age demographic than everyone answering this poll is 35 or higher I'm just saying, in there. But um, so come on, people, I need you to hate the Flyers more. They might be in our division this year instead of <laughs> no Montreal. in Toronto. We might lose both of them and have to remember how much we hated the Rangers and the Flyers back in the day, True that. back in that day, like 10 years ago when <laughs> teams did although Actually, that's not funny because it actually was the 10th anniversary this year of how to drop a 3-0 lead in the yeah, finals. So oh. that's all right. We won the cup the next year. So hey, right. it, not not to it went, it, uh, just to bump a, a little a little content in there. Um, last week uh, was the 25th anniversary of Patrick Patty Wavrik and blowing a gasket. Oh my God! I can't oh, believe it's 25 game 25 years. Um, I was not able to watch that game, but we did see the highlights, and they showed every goal in the highlights. And as a fan and, 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 and a hatred for Montreal, I was so excited. But the drama that proceeded afterwards, uh, when he finally got pulled, and as a goaltender, that's kind of shitty, man. You know what? That, that was on the coach. I mean, Patty should have gotten pulled at five. But to have him in there and, and to joke around just made it just a circus. And... Um, and Man, remember the days no glass behind the boards? And that was like a grandfathered thing for Montreal because the owners were sitting behind them and they were pretty much like, you know, giving advice or something like that. It's almost like, uh, you know, having a defense attorney and you got somebody behind you giving you the, the you know, the, 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 the play. You know, here's the ball, take it and run. Uh, but, yeah, it was very weird 25 years ago. Dude, yeah, these grays are certainly, certainly showing up now. <laughs> um. I, I, it's so funny to say about goalies because obviously, I mean, you know this about me, but my favorite person ever that ever wore a Bruins jersey is Martin Byron Defoe. Not because he was necessarily a, a Cauley human all the time. We all know there's some baggage on that end. But, you know, and I still have my Sports Illustrated that said the next reward. It was like inside Martin Brodeur's brain and like everything that's happened on. And so, you know, Rouen's the guy that made... I mean, there's been some badass goaltenders, but no kids were growing up and wanting to specialize in goaltending until we were kids. Yeah. And Patrick Wall and them. And really, I mean, I'm sure there are some crazy kids out there that, of course, always wanted to. But I guess once there were helmets and pads, people thought it was safer to maybe let their kid. Before that, it was like the craziest dude or the person that could skate the least, which is funny because now the goalie has to be the best skater on the ice most of the time. But back then it wasn't so much. You needed someone who was athletic and tough and like could take pain. But Patrick Kowa being a Bruins, 
That dude to this day, when I see his ugly mug, I like, Bleh. like, I can't. But you can't deny that he is one of the greatest goaltenders. Like, he just set the standard of premier goaltending. But I just remember seeing that, like, on the news. Like, Patrick Roy lost his shit. And I always joke with you, like, when is Carey Price going to have his moment where he just, fuck it, yeah. done. Like, looks at yeah. Claude Julian, like, I'm out of here. <laughs> I was thinking of Coach Claude. He was on At The Rinks podcast this week, and he sounded nice and healthy and Claude. And I guess that kind of all wraps around. We are talking about that's the awesome. Deck. Congrats to Claude so, on his health and, and future health. Uh, yeah, you just, know. Patrick was scary, man. I'm glad he wasn't my coach or anything ever no because shit. like he, <laughs> I thought he was going to kill that coach. Like the look in his eyes, he had the look when people snap to yeah. a dark place of like, like he had the oh, Patrick can grow up. <laughs> like you just, uh, I'm a whole like family, family, bitch. <laughs> yeah, like exactly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'm not. I will get in the first. I will get in the Hall of Fame on the first draft before they even draft the draft of who might get on the ballot. Just saying, like that's. I told oh Jeremy Roenick I couldn't hear him. My two Stanley Cup ring in my ear. <laughs> I can't hear you because I'm too busy. Do you know who I am, you little piece of crap? I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. He, that's the era. The uh, or also he is the person who made goaltenders have the giant padding, which always confused me. And I understand it's to fill the net, but like Patrick Roy is a fucking monster without pads. He's right. like six foot, 900. I don't know how tall he is, but he's like a big dude. Like goalie <laughs> nets aren't that big. Like it's not like a little dude. Like Mike Richter had to fill up his net bang. Like, you know, oh, yeah. you see him with crazy That's pads. Right. Oh, Mike Richter. Okay. Anyways, that was, that is another fun, like this week. Oh God. Patrick Roy losing the shit. That was one of the greatest <laughs> moments in modern hockey history. And it had nothing to do with winning championships. Yep. Ooh, that was good. Let's laugh a little. <laughs> okay. Catch your breath, it's, damn it. It's true. It's true. I just think it's so funny in retrospect. Scary, but funny. Um, okay. Well, that being said, while I catch my breath, why don't you give us an update? We have two prospects that were sent down to the E. C-H-L Jacksonville Iceman. I also didn't know if you wanted to mention right now, we saw not that long, about an hour, some ECHL teams have also dropped down. There's I a couple did, more and pending. actually I took a screenshot to see that. Yeah, uh, I, I jotted them down, but just I didn't um, know if you wanted to talk on that while you were talking about the ECHL. So the Boston Bruins assigned two players to the uh, Jacksonville Iceman of the East Coast Hockey League, ECHL, uh, if you prefer, uh, Matt Phillippe or Philippe. Uh, the, he's a Linfield, Massachusetts native. He's 6'2", 198 pounds. He's a center, left wing. He's 22 years old. Four years at Northeastern University. He posted 31 goals, 44 assists, 75 points in 136 games before signing a two-year entry-level contract in August of this year. That's 2020 for the people that are in the back. Um, interesting. I thought he was going to be in Providence, but... Uh, these teams are playing, so uh, if there's availability to go, players need to go and, and, and take advantage of it. The other player is Kyle Kaiser. He's a goaltender, dual citizen of the United States and Canada, born in Coral Springs, Florida. 22-year-old is an athletic neckminder who was outstanding in his last season of OHL hockey, posting a regular season record of 32-8-3 with a 2.75 goals against average and a 9.15 save percentage in 2018-19. Signed a three-year entry-level contract in early October of 2017, the day Boston Bru- former Boston goaltender Malcolm Subban was claimed on waivers by the uh, Vegas Golden Knights. So those two are going down to uh, Jacksonville, Florida. 
to participate in the games that are happening. The East Coast League, some of the teams, air quotes for the uh, audio listeners, uh, some of the teams have already opted out, and uh, even though the Boston Bruins did not have a formal agreement with a minor pro affiliate, um, because, uh, because at the end of last season, uh, when COVID came and ruined everything, that technically was the end of the affiliation with the Boston Bruins and the Atlanta Gladiators. So uh, there were rumors that they were going to be back together again, but uh, the Gladiators opted out of playing this year along with... Um, another team. But uh, today, uh, Jeff Merrick, uh, not too long ago, my favorite. Jeff Merrick's just a great, great hockey mind, man. Such a smart, smart hockey man. Uh, He says, East Coast Hockey League news. Uh, Expect the league to announce that Cincinnati Cyclones, Idaho Steelheads, and Kalamazoo Wings will not play this season. Uh, Very unfortunate on the Idaho Steelhead side because I was really looking forward to uh, watching how um, former Bruins prospect Cedric Paré was going to uh, do out there as he signed a one-year deal with those guys. So that sucks. Um, and and who knows, with this league, it seems like it's going to be a touch-and-go thing and, and how it works out. But, I mean, if, if Jacksonville and, and the southern states are up and running and ready to roll, then I guess it's going to go because uh, the season starts um, December 12th. And uh, yeah. so we're looking for the uh, Bruins prospects, Matt Phillippe and goaltender Kyle Kaiser to get in some of the action down there. Now, here's the interesting thing, though. It's not been official yet by the team, but Mark Diver did uh, tweet it out, uh, which set the uh, Black and Gold Productions team afire with uh, information and so on. But also the East Coast uh, Hockey League uh, official website put it on their transaction page. So it, it, it is true, regardless of the Bruins uh, saying it. But there is no news uh, that I could find in my research last night when I wrote an article about this. Um, there is no news of an official affiliation. I think these guys are just assigned there. Uh, but the, the terms were not assigned on a loan. So it makes me wonder if official word of an affiliation is going to come out uh, within the next couple days, especially before the uh, 2020-2021 East Coast Hockey League season starts uh, in just uh, about a week. So that could be some relative news that we talk about uh, next program on the uh, episode 207 of this Black and Gold Hockey podcast. Yeah, I was just going to say, also, Jeff had also mentioned that the Toledo uh, walleye and the uh, Fort Wayne comments, they are undecided on whether they're playing. So that means basically, so we know that the North has canceled. They're not playing. Now the Great Lakes, re- you know, mid, I don't want to say Midwest, but it's Great Lakes to me because my father's from Detroit, yeah. you know, that region. Um, so that's something, I mean, is it going to get to a point if too many teams drop out, they just can't, or they'll just hold more of a tournament style kind of, I mean, I don't know. We talk, everyone's screwed from the top to the bottom at this point, but at least a couple of our prospects have found at least a temporary home for now. I don't and, know. Uh, I don't know much of the, about the Iceman and so on. I know that the uh, when I when I wrote the article about it, some of the um, some of my haters, my typical haters, they were like, "Oh, this is bullshit because uh, they are in affiliation with the Winnipeg Jets and and their farm team." So. This is not true, but blah blah blah. But you know, I just have to throw the link. I don't even argue with people anymore. I just send really a, weird. I just send a fact. 
<clears throat> That's really weird because Jordan Bennington was on the Providence Bruins or whatever. Or what? Not the Providence. Yeah. Was it? Yeah. Yep. And he he's the he you know what I mean like a St. Louis and then then he ended up winning a Stanley Cup yeah. so like sometimes oh my god can, loans loans do happen folks it's crazy yeah because they that and that's the whole thing is I mean that's the whole point right because they didn't have a place for him St. Louis didn't have an affiliation yeah. so that's where we're at right now with these guys probably like you said you were a little shocked that they weren't necessarily well, gonna be a pro- province but. They need a place to go, and if your team doesn't have the affiliate, just to eat up a couple, just to eat up a couple more minutes, I'll tell you exactly what happened. We got about seven minutes till we till we go oh. to a commercial break. See, the the St. Louis Blues were with the Chicago Wolves of the AHL. Mm-hmm. This is about the same time that the Vegas Golden Knights came in, and then all of a sudden, the, the Chicago team, which I've heard as sketchy as 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 fuck, much like the. Um, the relationship between the uh, Carolina Hurricanes and the Charlotte Checkers, oh, like yeah, that whoa, was that was just out of out of left field. But mm-hmm. so was this. So St. Louis and Chicago are working together, and all of a sudden Vegas comes in and they, and then Chicago announces, "Oh, we're going to be affiliated with them." Well, <laughs> where are your prospects going? Like, where's Jordan Bennington going? And and you could see on on YouTube videos, and especially the Spit and Chicklets one, uh, when when Bennington was on that program. I'm not sure which episode it was. But it was a very good, good one. But St. Louis was going to send him down. I mean, Martin Brodeur called him and said, "Hey, you going down to the coast?" And he goes, "No, I'm not. I'm not playing in the East Coast League. I'm not doing this." He blatantly refused, which forced uh, St. Louis. I believe it was Bill Armstrong, um, to move him and find a spot and reached out to, um, you know, the Bruins uh, Providence Club and and uh, they worked a, uh, a deal. To have him and I believe it was Zane McIntyre at the time. Or I could be wrong on that, but um, I think it was. Yeah, to to work together in a tandem and to continue developing and so on. And then all of a sudden he leaves and goes and gets a cup. And and then all of a sudden the the so called know it all like, oh my god, he won a Stanley Cup with them. We had him in our prospect pool. What the hell are we thinking? It's, it's like not our prospect. No, <laughs> it's a loan. <laughs> Couple things. Now that you brought it up. I'm- I'm so happy that we've got to talk about Martin Brodeur twice today. Um, apparently, it's, it was the anniversary of him winning his first game as a blue. And I don't, I could look it on Twitter or whatever, but saying about how it was all just a, a fever dream and none of it really happened like the Mandela effect. And I'm like, yeah, more like a night terror. That was the worst thing. But like, maybe Marty Brodeur sees what I see in Jordan Bennington. And that's not that much. No, I'm just kidding. He's like, kid, you got to go somewhere. And then he's probably like, this fucking generation. It's my way or the highway. Well, very good. Like, you know. We're all full of entitlement. Where do you want to put you guys? You want to play for St. Louis High West or something? Because we don't have a place to put you. This is how it works, genius. No, he didn't want to go to the Greenville Swamp Rabbits. (laughs) No, not all of you come out of uh, the womb as Patrick Coir and Martin Brodeur and them. You know what I mean? Like, you um, sorry, I still hold that Jordan Bington is good for him. He got a cop. Yep. Good, good for him and his confidence for one season. Sucks because he didn't win a cup, but think Jordan Bington is good just because he did. Now I'm not saying he didn't stand on his head for six months. Right. He also was in the ECHL and the AHL for like seven years before that. I mean, he's not a young buck. It's not. And also I don't anticipate him doing like Timmy Thomas killed his own career. He could have kept going a little bit. You know what I mean? But I don't feel like, yeah, but he also, kind of, everybody, he you know, off. You know what's funny? Everybody else is, uh, you know, oh, it's uh, Rask. He he quit on his team. He did this and that. Well, you know what? Look back in history. So did Timmy. 
Timmy walked away from a whole year of playing, which left $5 million on the cap for the Bruins to freaking... They couldn't get off. He was he, he had to be paid. And he was under yeah. contract. So And it's not LTIR. Because he technically wasn't injured. So that money couldn't be hidden. So basically, he stuck it to the Bruins, in my opinion, to right. seek... Uh, but now we know to, in retrospect, maybe he could seek help and the, so on. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, maybe... If things were a little healthier at the time, he could have, could have had that. Big look at the situations. It's not such a long term with Timmy taking a whole year off, or Tuka yeah. taking a week off. It's basically the same thing. So that narrative of everybody's better than everybody is just totally wrong. Do you, do you know what I I think though? Is some people in this? I'm not obviously trying to speak for other people, but I know everything, so I'll just say it. <laughs> um, that I think the difference is is because it was like. It with Tuca, I think some people, and again, you know, I love Tuca. I mean, I'll hit him for as necessary for what he actually does in that. As times, sometimes you have to, but um, I don't nitpick him because he's a dude. Like he's just a person, and we all have our weird flaws. I mean, again, some people are total scumbags. Like at least he's not an asshole. Like you know, he might not come off across woman fuzzy as Matt says. Europeans sometimes are a little different of thing, but I think the difference is is for Tim Thomas, it was like a year, right? So it's like almost easier to forget the year. Not that it makes it better or worse, but when for Tuca, you know, part of it is all the little buildup of all the little, you know what I mean? And like people will always, I think that's why it's like hard. And also, I think that people expect more from Tuca Ras than they ever did. Of course, Thomas. of course. Today, and even though yeah. he was awesome and he got the cup, I think, I mean, let us not forget that Tim Thomas actually Tuca Ras, he was Tuca Ras back up. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Kind of, you yeah. know, like that was a little weird. We were in a transition time. We had... Andrew there, and this went there, and then race, then Manny Fernandez. It was like, like a revolving Tuka door. Was, Tuka was the starting goaltender, so I would like to argue maybe Tuka, you could all shut the fuck up, because Tuka earned his starting position, and not just because yeah. Tim Thomas snapped off See, like and it, left somewhere. It was almost like Krejci's right wing. Tuka back. It's been 10 years. Let's let it go. I'm just saying. Like, it was almost like Krejci's right wing and uh, in the crease. It was just like, who knows who's going to be in here back in the day. Oh God, Nate Horton! Where have you gone? <laughs> Just kidding. Like, All right. Remember, remember when Krejci had a right wing? Yeah. What was yeah. his name? Nate Nick Horton had Nate, a who? Yeah, Horton had a who. Horton had some Gatorade. Water. All right. Know. So we're gonna okay. take our, our our break right now and hear from the great folks at the store next door. Um, it's the holidays, folks. If you need some extra uh, Christmas ideas for that hockey fan. These folks take recycled hockey sticks and make awesome furniture with it, and they do things for great people. They provide a great service for, uh, for unbelievable folks. So uh, please go to the thestorenextdoor.ca, a Yarmouth, Nova Scotia uh, company, and uh, support them in any way possible. Either you're in Canada listening to us, which I hope you are, that'd be awesome, or in the United States, they ship internationally. So please, again, thestorenextdoor.ca. We will be right back. There's a lot of people with disabilities that can't just go and find a job. So we set out to create a business to fill those needs, one stick at a time. The Store Next Door gift shop is a Yarmouth-based manufacturer and retail outlet store. So we make great ideas that any of our employees come up with, and we reuse and recycle as much as possible. Our most popular item is probably our hockey furniture. We take broken hockey sticks and turn them into different products. We go through a lot of hockey sticks. A lot. A whole lot. Considering that it's only been a year and we're shipping internationally, I think that that's been a huge success. 
Most people's reactions are, wow, you do this here. We don't accept can't here. Everyone here learns in different ways, but we want to give everybody every opportunity to find exactly what works for them. There's nothing better than when a customer buys something and then one of our employees say, I made that. They have meaningful lives and build things they can be proud of and get a paycheck for it. I'm Amy Acker and we change lives one job at a time. Hey Bruins fans, we're back in uh, another great read, I mean uh, commercial from the great folks at the store next door.ca. Like I said, they ship internationally, uh, so get involved and, and help those guys out. It, really good items and, and uh, we bought a ton for our Patreon stuff, we'll talk about it later, and uh, some stuff uh, just around the house, like coasters and so on. So got a place, got to have a place to put the beer and the cold adult beverage drinks, so... These coasters are awesome. They're all made by recycled hockey sticks. So, Heather, where are we going back to the uh, topic? I mean, the agenda. Wow. I'm, I'm not laughing at the store next door. I'm laughing, You're laughing at you me, get, jerk. You know the commercials where it's like progressive, like you become your parents or Geico or whatever. You know you're getting older when you even care about if there's a coaster to put your frosty beverage on because <laughs> that's not shit you think of when you're 15. You're like, just like splashing everywhere. Um, okay, so overnight, well, it was late last night, but um, we just got a storm in New England and on the uh, local Fox 25 news, um, they were doing an update on the weather as they do. They like to talk to people about, hey, how shitty is it to drive in New England weather right now? Like that's literally every snowstorm 42 times, whether it's a quarter inch or a foot of whatever. Um, but they had an interesting interview with a guy who was from Canada. So the driving wasn't that bad. And it was actually Jerome McGinley and the person had no idea it was Jerona Ginla. And he had the cutest look of like, he knows this guy doesn't understand that he is actually mildly famous, a Hall of Fame player. Like, and I actually played in your town, lady. Like, you, you don't even know, like, kind of thing. Um, but so that was just funny. I just didn't know if you saw that this morning. It was former Boston, the like, former Boston Bruins, uh, right winger turned weatherman. Uh, unbelievable. <laughs> but no, it was, it was kind of funny. And it, no, it was actually very funny. And the fact that the reporter didn't know exactly who it was was even better. So, but it went viral. It went viral. The video yeah. is out. Check it out on Twitter. Uh, just do a search for Jerome McGinley. I'm sure that's going to pop up real fast because uh, it's such a class act too. And he, he didn't sugarcoat nothing. He just, you know, he didn't bring it on to say, "Hey, do you know who I am?" This and that. No, <laughs> just just a regular person getting a regular old interview. How yeah, like that's. That's probably the first time in a very long time that that interview was like that, and it wasn't like hockey related. Yeah, it was. He was just like a dad driving in a snowstorm, just like yeah, getting some gas and uh, trying to clear the car off. There was like one lady that was like it, it doom and gloom kind of thing, and it was like it gets sloppy. Like this is the worst kind of weather when it's popping back and forth between rain and snow, and it's like that's when it's the most dangerous. Give me rain or give me the snow because the in between stuff is where the cars, the garland off like, the roads, and all that. Like my Courtney always says. It's be the the first storm is the one that is the craziest because people forget how to drive in it. Yeah. <laughs> and when Every you live in Massachusetts, year. you understand what we're talking about. Yeah. You you've lived here your whole yes. life. It's and you still like need to practice. Person, <laughs> it's the like the person that didn't hear about the snowstorm. Like, okay, first of all, this is New England. After October first, maybe put a scraper in your trunk just for like, I don't know, mornings. Because we have four months of it going from thirty-five yeah. uh, 32 all back up to 70 we have the you know it's, it's just funny but yeah i love it because i love jerome love like love him i know he was only here we had a year with him but he is a legend hall of famer now you know and uh good for and the best part is just he's 
totally a hockey player at any point. Like, can you imagine like a famous basketball player being like, do you not know who I am? <laughs> no. Jerome McGinley's just got the inside joke in his own hand. And I am a Hall of Fame athlete. And this lady does not know who I am because she is very concerned about the ice storm, like, you know, kind of thing in it. It was just cute. But yeah, it's definitely gone viral. Check it out. I looked up the video myself because apparently I was not watching 25 news last night. Um, Yeah. So that was just like a fun thing. But all right. Well, we kind of touched on it slightly going into it, but let's get into uh, a little bit talk of it. Bruins related because John Beecher has made the cut of 29 for the uh, world junior roster, uh, which I believe starts today. It's between now and like the couple, like the next five days, but there's 29 people. It gets cut down to a 25 man roster, but leading the charge alphabetically. And as the representing Bruins prospect, John Beecher, I know you love John Beecher. It's looking gorgeous. And at you, Michigan right now. Yeah. Uh, What's that you, Marco? Those guys are playing good. Michigan. Uh, they, they suffered their first game, uh, loss or a sec or two losses against Penn state. Um, yeah, him and Becker. Uh, Becker uh, hasn't been playing much lately. I, I don't know what's hindering him, but um, the attention's definitely on uh, that that club out in Michigan. They they came out really really fast, really good, and um, um, you know a powerhouse in the pet in the uh, Big Ten. Uh, but Beach has been just up and down with his offensive uh, skills, and you know you, you're seeing good things as he develops. He's, he's just a big, rangy forward that gets into those dirty areas. Uh, he's around the net constantly when it's uh, the puck's in the offensive zone. Um, always looking for uh, typical opportunities. My favorite thing about him is, is how he cradles a puck and can re- just uh, feather a very, very speedy pass to another person. It's just the timing is really good. And uh, to get it tape to tape with that velocity... Is, is impressive, and I know a lot of college kids do this on the on the regular. But uh, I'm just I'm just seeing more and more things uh, solid about him as he develops. So I mean, he's a big kid, got good hands, um, you know. So I think he's going to be, I think he's going to be a lock on this preliminary roster. He'll definitely be uh, a part of it. Um, looking forward to watching the uh, World Juniors this year um, uh, because. Um, I think I missed out on it because I did not want to pay the cable prices anymore. So I got rid of uh, cable and went streaming. And by doing that, I went to YouTube TV. And YouTube TV didn't have the NHL network available. So um, I stopped watching like a lot of the stuff. But I was like getting pirated streams of the uh, the World Juniors like last year. And I think the year before. But... Um, no, this year we, uh, we, we're we moving away from YouTube TV because their prices keep going up and there's really not much going on for me, particularly in the sports and what I need. But I went on to Foo, I think it's FUBU TV, and it's uh, it's 60, $64 a month, and then you get a uh, sports package, another 10 bucks. It's really not that bad, but it, it brings on the, um, the NHL network. So I'm watching it right now. I'm watching like an old game from like the... Uh, Bruins from the 1950s, so it's all black and white, uh, and it's at the Montreal Forum actually. So I love that shit. So if you wouldn't, trying to make us jealous, uh, a little bit, but um, also watching a game from the 50s versus the Canadians. But Nesson Nesson is also not a part of uh, YouTube TV anymore, and that's when there's a reason, re- big reason why I'm moving away and got onto Fubo TV. I think that's the name of it. 
Is it FUBU or FUBO? I don't know. I think it's FUBU. It sounds like one, like a sling or something like that. Yeah, that or something. Like, no, it's just an app that you get. Yeah. I don't know. But anyway, it's it's. It, I, I'm looking forward to watching the U.S. and this tournament. So, big fun. Yeah, so the tournament starts uh, on Christmas. Uh, it's in Edmonton this year. and In the bubble. It goes to January 5th in a little bubble. Um, what One of the things that made me happy on this was uh, a couple things. One, there are six Massachusetts-born players that are on this 29, you know, kind of fight-for-your-spot roster. And this is loaded, loaded with the college kids, the Big Ten, like Minnesota and Michigan. Michigan, their whole roster probably could have been at this training. You know what I mean? If they were yeah. U.S. kids because they're on fire. But a lot of B.C. kids, a couple B.U. kids, a lot of Minnesota, Wisconsin. But not just that. There are um, other things. Uh, you brought up Spencer Knight. He's definitely on the list. Uh, there's a lot of people. Um, most of them have already been drafted to their respective NHL teams. Everyone else, is. this is their draft year, uh, 2021 mostly. Uh, but yeah, there's very few people. There's a couple UCHL, a couple OHLs, but generally college hockey is back, bringing the amateur back to hockey. I yeah. mean, which is good because honestly, even if they don't let, you know how I feel about letting the NHL players play and maybe we can touch on this. It's not officially, but we're talking about the uh, world juniors, a couple of things with that, but I think you should be able to play for your country. Absolutely. Yeah. And I don't think that you should be stopped from doing that. Um, that being said, God damn, our amateur program looks awesome. So if they're not going to let the professional Americans yeah. go anymore, you we're looking to watch. pretty good to walk back up on that. Hey, real quick, I wanted to jump uh, uh, back into the John Beecher talk, and I totally forgot about this, but um, uh, I had a, uh, uh, it was a tweet, so it wasn't a conversation, but uh, Kobe Coleman, former NHLer in Boston, uh, I think he went to, uh, oh, he went, oh, he went to BU, I believe, and then he played for uh, uh, the uh, Providence Bruins. Uh, just a real good hockey guy. Um, and he was mentioning that Beecher is the type of uh, forward that he compared to uh, Max Pacioretty when he played for the Wolverines back in the day. So that was something kind of cool that uh, I had a little back and forth Twitter conversation with uh, with Colby. He's such a good guy, and I'm, I'd love to have him on the program sometime soon. So because he's got a fantastic story that uh, I, I really want to dive into. Um, you know, only three games in the in the in the NHL, but he made the show. And uh, but it's his it's his development and and the the the, the path that he took there that is just a, a very intriguing story as a for hardworking uh, you know grunts and and just just put your head down and. And, and just drive forward. So I, I'd love to have him on to hear about um, that that mission uh, to get to the NHL. So hopefully sooner or later that can happen. Keep that in mind. There's no one right path. There are many paths to get there. Right, it's about right. your desire, your drive, and your work ethic. You know what I mean? Um, well, all I was going to say a couple of things to that is there's been a few prospects that are not being allowed to go play for their teams. The NHL teams are not allowing them, and that pisses me off. Probably the biggest one is... Lafreniere, right? They're not letting him play. He's probably the biggest name this year's first overall pick. Um, that makes me mad because these kids, this is the last, although many of them are wise beyond their years because they have been away from home and playing. So they're not the same 15-year-olds as like a normal 15-year-old in many ways, but they also are still kids. And this is also, international competition is important 
It's important to represent your nation. It's important to these kids because they may never. So these kids like Lafreniere, he's going right into the NHL. And if the NHL doesn't let the players play at the Olympics, then this kid's never going to have a chance to represent his team again. He's just an example. That kind of annoys me. That being said, have you seen those Bauer skates with the flags on yeah. the skates? They are gorgeous. Yeah. Uh, if anybody didn't see him, look him up. Bauer did, has these uh, special edition skates that the teams are all going to skate with. And they're sexy looking Bauer skates with like the flag right on the heel area. They look awesome. But anyways, World Juniors, at least we know that's happening. Hopefully, fingers crossed, dear God, the last thing that Canada needs is for them to cancel the World Juniors. Canada will, COVID will be linked to their issues. They will like, they will die. So anyways, John Beecher, I suspect he'll be in the 25 that make the cut. Um, I That's my guess. I don't know, Mark. You know more about these things. But I believe I've so. Him, I can't see why he wouldn't. I believe so. All right. So next on the agenda is... Spectre's Hockey Report rumor mill. Could the Bruins trade big name players if they need to? I get if needed. Oh, sorry. I just misread that. If needed at the trade deadline. Yeah, this was an interesting article from Strack, and it wasn't originally written by him, but it was one of his one of his uh, his uh, partners in crime over at the website. But they, they it's not totally accurate stuff, but I, I get it. It's making news. But um, he um, took something from James O'Brien, uh, NBC Sports. He recently pondered moves by the Boston Bruins if they should struggle during the 2021 season. He points to their weakness on the left side on their blue line, as well as the possibility of star forwards Brad Marchand and David Pasternak missing time uh, of the schedule recovering from offseason surgeries. O'Brien feels management won't need to blow things up but they could consider moving a handful of veterans at the trade deadline. Goalies Tuka Rask and Yaroslav Alak and center David Krejci are unrestricted free agents next summer. Perhaps the Bruins could get something of value for one of them. He also wondered if they might try to move a supporting cast member like Charlie Coyle or Jake DeBrusque. Spectres note, it'll be interesting to see what the Bruins, uh, how the Bruins perform in a shortened season without Tory Krug and Zdeno Chara on the blue line, and their two leading scorers possibly sideline to open the, uh, the the opening weeks, general manager Don Sweeney could consider selling a couple of veterans at the trade deadline if this club is struggling to stay in playoff contention by then. For now, of course, it's just a hollow hypothetical. So, I mean. I don't think it's going to go that far. I mean, you could look at those one-year contracts like um, of of uh, Krejci and uh, Rask and so on, and put the put make some sense together. But when you have a player like Charlie Coyle and a young Jake DeBrusque right now, I mean, Jake DeBrusque could still hold some trade value if needed. I would possibly move him above Charlie Coyle because I think Charlie Coyle is needed not only for next season and the duration of his contract, but also as a mentorship um, for uh, upcoming centers that are going to want to play that style of possession game. Uh, not only is he going to be needed on the ice, but the tutelage in the locker room and in the weight room and, and just being around a player like Charlie Coyle. Because, uh, I mean, the guy, it, when players are next to him on the left or the right, 
he makes them better players just by his possession skills and, and his knowledge of the game and the way he can read all three zones. So I, I, I think that would be a bad idea to move him. Um, you probably wouldn't cut, catch me saying that two, like two years ago, but you know, the guy's just growing on me. I mean, he's just, he's just that, that type of tool. And I think that they need that moving forward for the next quarter to come up. I mean, being him and Jack Sidnika should be like a, a fixture together or, you know, him and Bergeron, I mean, feed off of these people, feed off of how the, how a, a center can finish like Bergeron and uh, and feed off of, of a possession master like like uh, Coil. So it's it's just good things to have. Um, this this kind of and I don't know what to do with this because one, I don't know there is going to be a trade deadline, and two, it's kind of a lot hard to unpack. And two, it's hard to decide because we haven't seen what the team looks like. Now, I think generally Bruins fans would agree we would have liked to see a little bit more in this offseason. We also understand the cap situation. Uh, but we also don't understand some things like not signing Chara, but signing Kevin Miller and not signing, you know, Tory Krug, but not replacing Tory Krug either, at least like in the defense. Because we really do now only have a couple signed defensemen and then everyone else is a prospect still. Um, so I think maybe we're a little confused on that. But I guess for me, this team, we, we've talked about it, right? The core's going out together-ish, right? Like, Rask and Krejci, also, if you play a shortened season, why would you trade for $14 million worth of player for 20 games? Okay, that's when the trade deadline is going to be at this point. We could have a trade deadline before we ever see the squads at the at practice, like, this year. So it's hard for me to judge because we haven't seen. We haven't seen maybe with a little more time. Maybe that second line, even with Kasha still on it, if they have a little more time to gel and really Cassidy can hold on to them and get them to work, you know, or give it a try, or maybe we got to slot someone else. We, we haven't seen it yet to see what happens. We don't know that, <laughs> that Nick Ritchie isn't going to be just like the full-on bull moose like Milan Lucic used to be, but like on a we don't know that. I'm chuckling, of course, because yeah. I just want, I just wish he was Dan Nining. Dan Nining, if this is how it's going to be, at least he wasn't always in those fucking penalty box and not even for good reasons. <laughs> um, but so this is a hard question for me. I think it would be a lot easier, especially given what if there is a season that's going to be. Uh, and when this trade, I mean, what are they going to do? Start hockey on the 15th and the, tra- the trade deadline is usually February 20th. Then well, it'll, start- it, it'll be, pr- it'll be like prorated. Like it'll right, be that's way what I mean, further. Though, but- yeah. Almost like the You're draft only going to get 25 year. games in. Yeah. So basically, it'd be like having the trade deadline on any other normal year uh, the first week of November. Like, yeah. you know what I mean? It's like just so it's hard for me to tell, but I still think it would be easier for the Bruins to move things package. Like, it, you might have to move one person, even if it's a DeBrusque or something. I mean, I don't think they would have just signed DeBrusque. I think they do want to see what will happen if he plays the whole year. But we do, again, this goes back to we have a lot of effing prospects that if we could get somebody who could use it, maybe no offense to John Moore, maybe John Moore and a couple prospects, no more giving up our first round draft picks. So we need no, a first yeah. round draft. Got to replenish. 2015, of that draft is slowly diminishing. And we're trying to get people into the into the lineup as we speak because we don't know what's going on with a certain a certain defenseman, and so yeah. on. And these these roster spots are very limited for these guys to actually make the jump. So I think uh, we need to have another 2015 again where you can create like 10 spots to replenish the prospect pool. Yeah. 
Like, I can see them doing, I really don't think it's going to be the quote unquote core, the big name players. I don't feel like that's where it will happen. It'll be hard to move those people because everyone, here's a newsflash, everyone is screwed when it comes to the cap. You know, the players are screwed because they were supposed to make some bank and they didn't. Because if you think about it, if things went normal and say like even with Tory Krug, right, even if he wasn't signing in Boston, he probably would have got his eight in St. Louis if they weren't re-signing Petrangelo, you know what I mean? Uh, things like that. Like it's it's a different climate. It's a different world on thinking of the trade deadline, this and that. And also they might just say, fuck it. We'll keep our $3 million in cap space if something comes up that's reasonable. Because right. let's face it, we never do anything at the trade deadline. <laughs> we don't. We do things. No, I'm saying we have. I I think I've in Don's defense. I think he's a little shell shocked because he has indeed. Like when he went out and got Rick Nash, no one obviously thought Rick Nash was going to get concussed and like it all fall apart, you know. But every time we do make a big splurge, this team, whether it's Don Sweeney or Chirelli, it's like, or it's a trade for nothing. Right. Like this year, right? Let's get rid of Danton Heinen for no fucking reason. Like basically, <laughs> that's what it came down to. <laughs> I get things had to happen. We David Backus, we all love him, but we knew that had to. But like Jesus Christ, to bring us what Nick? That's the best you could get in return for Backus, Heinen, two prospects, a first round draft pick, and a whatever. You couldn't give us something. Yeah. But again, Nick Ritchie, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. Maybe he comes into camp. He's in fucking rip shape and he's lapping people then. Like if he laps coil and I'm like, all right, buddy, we're on. I'll give you round two of try. Other than that, I just want you to be on the metaphorical ninth floor because they're never going to actually be in the building again, apparently. And uh, yeah, go like that's all I like. It concerns me because this team is barely standing. And unless you're getting something better than what you have, and if you're moving a Krejci or a Rask or a Bergeron or that is... You're very few people you're getting better than what you're asking back. It's a one right. for one trade, and all teams have to say, Is that even worth it? A one for like it's basically like, Hey, I'll give you my quarter if you give me your quarter, but I'll give you heads up and you give me heads down. <laughs> so, um, that's an interesting thought. But like I said, I don't even know there'll be a trade deadline, I don't even know what this freaking team will look like. I know what the hell they looked like the last time I saw them, which was a hot mess compared to how sexy they were looking in March. So Here's to looking sexy like March again, boys. <laughs> to get back in there. Um, all right. So that uh, next thing saying Chara Rich. Um, it was a article by Joe Haggerty. I'm sorry, I wrote it down weird on the paper. Uh, I got but it. about uh, that Chara returning might not happen. So about from Boston Hockey Now and Joe Haggerty. So did you want to talk about that a little bit? Back to Captain or not Zidano. Yeah, uh, in a recent mailbag segment, Joe Haggerty was asked if defenseman Zidane Chara would return for another season. He predicted Chara would wouldn't return, speculating the big blue liner would reject relegation to a third pairing role. Haggerty has the feeling the Bruins are ready to move on to a younger, more mobile defense corps. Um, and uh, Spectre's note on the article, because this was uh, taken out of uh, um, Spectre's uh, article, I think it was on Friday, uh, NHL.com's Emily Benjamin, who covered her fair share of Bruins games with the Boston Globe, believes Chara will return for another season, although she's acknowledged if it's not a, uh, a certainty. 
Chara's agent said his client was waiting to see what the format for the 2020-21 season would look like before deciding where he'll play. So, a little update there. Uh, again, the, it's the, the, the ball is in Chara's um, corner. I think the Bruins have the they have almost uh, $3 million in cap space. So if he comes back at a million dollars, it's definitely affordable. But what if, what if, I mean, would this set Bruins Nation afire if Don Sweeney and management are really exploring the fact that Zidane Chara is not wanted back here? I don't know if it's he's not wanted back here. I think it's the headway of your 42 unless you're taking a minute, a mill mill and we can't. And Chara also is very, I mean, he literally has business degrees. Like he's a smart man too. And understands that. And like I kept saying, I, I do lean a little bit on that side of like, maybe he's just waiting to see what's out there because he is 42 and he has played 20 something years and he doesn't really need to come back. If he chooses that, that's what's the best course for him, maybe a shortened seasons, but now we're talking like a short and shortened season. I mean, Chara could show up day one if they want to sign him to a mill, but I still haven't ruled it out, but I don't think it'll come down to uh, they don't want him here. I think it'll come down to we can get more for the four, you know, the three million we have than if we give you two. And I do think that Chara is someone who has honor and dignity and would do what's best for the team. I don't know if he would play somewhere else. He might for a year. You know what I mean? Well, that's that's. I didn't think Joe Thornton would be a Maple Leaf. I thought he would retire and just be yeah, done with it. Right. That's um, Heather. The whole thing about that with me is, um, you know, what if it is down to Chara and said, "Listen, you guys want to put me on a third pairing minute role, and I don't want that." So, do you think that Bruins fans would absolutely go ape shit because the fact is that you know, they're not going to cater to Chara's needs in his potentially last season in the NHL, particularly with the Boston Bruins? Or is it always going to be back at management saying, you're not just giving him the opportunity, blah, blah, blah. So where would the blame lie in this one? Would it be a 50-50 split because of the fact is that it'll be a management thing? Or is it a Chara thing that if you're going to relegate me, I don't want to be here? Um, well, just point of clarification. I think if Chara chooses to not sign, like if he's offered and he doesn't sign, I don't think it is... Um, it'll be a problem of being a third pair because I think he's a leader. And what leaders do is say, you know what? You know, even the newbies have better legs than me. I understand that I can serve as important a role. He could still be the captain and be the lead. So I think personality wise, that wouldn't be the problem. It'd probably be more of, is this worth it for me and my family? You know what I mean? If it on Char's end. Um, But I do think the blame would be 50, 50. And I think that's partly because as, always everything in Bruins fans' minds are split 50-50. So half of the fan base wants Chara to just like sail off into the sunset, love you, peace, love, go back, have fun, love you, family, send us pictures, come give out turkeys. And like, we want you here, but we just don't want you on the ice, right? Kind of like how we felt about David Backus, right? With his chronic injuries. Like we love you and we would love to keep you, but we can't pay you to not be able to help us anymore. The other side are going to, flip out if you don't sign Chara. I'm torn. I'm more in like, it's got to be on whatever terms, these terms. And I don't think he's greedy. I don't think he's going to probably ask because he can go get a shoe deal to get endorsement money if he needs to. Um, I think though, most camps are either going to be like, oh my God, why did they sign Chara? And the only thing that 
reason that wouldn't happen is because people are a little annoyed about the Kevin Miller signing. And then the other side, I don't think that they can blame, can't blame a team for not signing a 42-year-old defenseman. So I just don't but want. But they this. are going to ask him to be on the third pair. Yeah, they're not going to ask. Yeah, yeah. and it's I see the I it's either you play by our rules or find someplace else to play. And the worst thing about this is it's like I'm I'm I don't want to get in a situation. And we're old enough to remember this player, but Chris Jelios, he played well into his mid forties, but. It was, I don't know why the care, I mean, I get the passion that you still want to keep playing in the game, but the team is only playing, he was only playing like eight minutes a night. You know, it's like those minutes are much more deserved to somebody that's been working in the system really hard and deserves to cross that threshold and, and possibly be a, a permanent NHL defenseman on the regular. You know, you're basically clock blocking. And I hate to use the word, but it's basically what it is, you know? Well, I think that's a little bit different situation because in Chelios's era, you needed your big name players there. Even if you could get Chelios on the ice for nine minutes, he's Chris frickin' Chelios. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I'm happy just hearing his name, you know, kind of thing. I think that the talent pools weren't as elite even 20 years ago as they are now. Like, the top... They used to be the top prospects, and then everyone else, you might be able to work into being a player maybe on the NHL roster. But in the last 20 years, the whole dynamic, at least the last 20 years, the whole dynamic of hockey has shifted. And now you have 12-year-olds competing to get drafted by the time they're 14 <laughs> into this league. Like, I, I need to – if I don't play Quebec, whatever, this, that tournament, I'll die and I'll never be an NHL. Well, that's ridiculous. Okay. But that's the climate it is. It's highly more competitive. Like every, like elite, 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 elite. I'm not saying they weren't elite players, but they also weren't the athletes, all of them that are today. Today, right. they are whole package athletes. They eat their balanced beans <laughs> and they're doing their yoga and they're doing their workouts <laughs> and they're doing this. They're just well-oiled machines. Back then, you were a naturally gifted athlete that could like kick the tires off, you know. But people would, like rip butts and drink beers in the locker room. It wasn't Back like a health day. test. In oh, there. Yeah. You know? Basically, if you said to Phil Esposito, here are your Brussels sprouts, he would have been like, what the fuck is a Brussels sprout? Get this out of here. I need a fucking beer and a pizza, like, you know, kind of thing. And a cigarette. Um, yeah, exactly. Like, what in the holy hell is, what's a Brussels sprout? Jesus, what are you, my mother? Get out of here. Um, so I think that it's a little thing. But again, I don't think Zidane Chara's personality is ego-driven. Like, he's not, he's not a player that's like me, me, me. He's not like a a Vander Kane. I mean, I know he does good work outside, but I mean like on the ice, he's not a Tom Wilson, me, me, me. Like, you know what I mean? Like not, not saying he's not a good teammate. He's never been my teammate, but like this idea Brad Marchand used to be like that. Yeah. He'd have a hard time not making it about Brad Marchand. And it was always at the least opportune times, but Chara is not an egomaniac. He is a, I'm the captain, but this is our team kind of guy. Do you know yeah. what I mean? No, I mean, I, I'm not saying you don't get angry daddy bear looks every now and then, like. No, but we what? both know how social media is, and it's like you know you're gonna you're gonna hear from the from the Chara fans that you should have catered to him and given him top minutes, and then you're gonna hear from the ones that are you know that are with the uh, organizations like no, you know you need the youth and blah blah blah. So and then you, no, and that's what I mean. It's like if we do sign Chara. And gonna... that's still a possibility that doesn't necessarily, again, we've talked about this. That right. could be because maybe we don't have enough of the young kids to really step in there without Cliff falling on the back end a little bit. Right. That 
I, I also can see Zdeno Chara saying, yeah, I'll take a mill and I'll play the third pair. That's fine. Because frankly, he, I think for all athletes, this goes back to Chelios or whatever. The biggest thing, it, it's not about how old you are or this and that. It's about when you step on the ice, are you a shell of your former self that's just holding on yeah. to the hope? Like, I love Joe Thornton, but you're getting older, and I'm not saying he is still a hell of a competitor. You know what I mean? Like, again, those players, they're from a generation that's. This that is survived. like bringing me back. This is bringing me back to the movie Moneyball with Billy Beans having a freaking conversation with freaking David Justice. <laughs> it's oh, yeah. just like, oh my God. Yeah, you know, and so, I mean, I don't know what it is that we keep saying, but I think. What keeps Chara on the ice is he's a goal setter. And his goal is to win another cup with these guys. His goal is to teach these young kids how to be good professionals, good humans, good teammates, and all of that, you know? And uh, that's the kind of thing. So I can see him taking a mill and saying, yeah, third line minutes. Because he knows everybody has a job. I So if they part ways, I don't think it's going to be mutual hatred. And it's going to be with mutual respect and love and if Z doesn't come back, he probably will not. I mean, he might sign somewhere else, but he might just go home for a couple of years, finish whatever, yep. might get learn seven more languages and eight more <laughs> things. He might be one of the best fucking scouts you've ever seen in your life, you know, and step back in. And I, but I can't see him not reemerging as some role in this organization at some point, whether it's for one more year on third line minutes or whether that's love you guys, see you in three years, you know, and now he's our scout european scout master him and yep. pj axelson just slapping high fives watching people in sweden and finland and slovakia and czech republic or whatever so anyways dan Charo, we love you either way whether you don't love him for his on ice prowess you do that so all right so the next thing was just saying congratulations john moore and his wife elizabeth and they are, they have two other children already they welcomed a baby boy uh, everyone was healthy and happy if you saw the picture on social media this baby is so freaking cute as new born's all snuggled in his little blue blanket but um again john moore who we like as a human being we might not want him necessarily always having to play heavy minutes on our defense but he is a solid quality human and yeah, uh, congratulations to the moore family on their new addition congrats um, absolutely on who wants to be a millionaire about Willie O'Ree and said logging four goals and 10 assists for the Boston Bruins. I said Willie O'Ree before they finished the question, but it says in the early 60s or whatever, Willie O'Ree is known as the Jackie Robinson of what sport? (laughs) Obviously NHL, we all know is the answer, but I was like, Willie O'Ree is everywhere. This isn't an ongoing thing about that. Did the person they were asking get it right? So he did not know. He seemed to like baseball, but not think, but his friend knew like the, it's new this year just because there's no like phone. So the guy he knew by deduction, right. he knew enough about hockey to know that it was Willie Ari. So they did, yes. But well, it was on there only because we had it as a topic, and then we kept getting asked and asked BNG. Yeah, I know. I that's why I was like saying it was just no, weird. But that's what it was about Willie Ari, who wants to be a millionaire. You know, you're big time when you make who wants to be a millionaire as a question. So. More love to Willie O'Ree. Okay, well, uh, I believe that that is the last one. We have some Ask BNGs. Yes. I'll ask you. You answer. Uh, thank you, everyone who answered. This one's from Northern Light Sports. Listen to their podcast, please. And uh, they had talked about it on their podcast, but it said, does Tuca's number, the long and the short is, does Tuca Raft's number go into the rafters of the garden when all is said and done? And you replied, yes, and number 30 for Gary Cheevers. And 
I always say Gary because of the hand job. I know it's Jerry. I yeah. say Gary because of the mustard. So sorry, people. I do know his name. It's just a habit because we have a whole other thing that I associate G-E-R-R-Y with. Um, I agree with you wholeheartedly. I wanted to ask you on both accounts. They should both be up there. But why do you think Cheevers isn't up there yet? Because that's interesting because he's kind of the... I don't know. I, yeah, we'll talk, I'll talk about it later because it's kind of uh, my thing in history. Um, oh, okay. I didn't know that. So yeah. never mind. Moving on from that. So, but no, I, I do think so. Just because of uh, Tuga's numbers, I think he's uh, is uh, deserving, um, and that 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 doesn't mean the cup is just in entitlement either. Uh, it's what you do when you're in longevity uh, as a career. Tuga's got really good numbers uh, and is still high uh, ranking in the league for career numbers. So. Yeah, I think that he deserves it. Absolutely. I know people are going to hate it and I don't care. I don't, you know, it's just just the way it is, you know. I I'd rather see him up there than somebody else that in my opinion possibly earned it, but he doesn't have career numbers. Doesn't have, you know, franchise leading numbers. He's got a cup and I get it and I appreciate that. Appreciate the effort for that cup, but um for me it's what you do in your whole career here, not just uh a small fragment of it. Well, see, I think it's different when you're looking at Hall of Fame numbers versus your team numbers. Do you know what I mean? Like, you could have your... There are many reasons to have your number retired, but to not have someone in the rafters because they didn't win a cup, like they said, then we should probably tear down half of anyone we think are great. Oh. I know that was a raging debate going on a few... Uh, even with Rick Middleton, right? And I was like, no, fuck you. Rick Middleton can go up there. Like, it's not just... Being a Boston Bruin is like as much as people hate Tuca, we don't know Tuca isn't going to be like the rest of these alumni that spend every summer doing a hockey camp for the right. kids. Come specifically, you know, so that kind of thing. I I think what makes someone important and great and like you know legendary to a particular organization isn't just what we have. Plenty of our heroes we can look at and say, you know, if we looked at them closely enough, we probably would not say that, the, you know, but that's not why you retire a sports number. You retire someone because they were important to your city on the ice or field or whatever off the ice, because some people are beloved in their cities after their game, not for what they did on the ice, but because all the other crap they did off the ice, you know, and I, the debate that was raging the other weekend, it's just like, so what? We should tear down Cam Neely's because his knee injury or Bobby or because their knee injury. Right. Only. Now, granted, you could argue some of their numbers are still some of the best. And like you said, statistically in the league. But everyone keep in mind, you know, Tukarask, maybe he's not the greatest goaltender that ever played in the NHL. But let's face it, there have been a shit ton of ex excellent. We talked about them, Rouar, Brodor and all of them. And you know what? When all things are said and done, when you're looking at the top 20 goalies of all time, Tukaras might be hanging out there. You know what I mean? And just, he definitely numbers wise though here, but I think it's your longevity and it's what you do on and off the ice. I understand when people might not like him as a personal thing, but I do not understand as a rational sports fan, there are plenty of players I hate, but I respect their numbers. Like, you know, yep. and you can say yep. these people, like they earned it's what you do, right? It ain't bragging if you do it. That's yeah. all I'm saying. You know what I mean? There you go. Just, okay, there you go. This was a creative one from uh, John Galat. And he said, um, who do you think is the captain of this team in five years? Ooh. He thinks Pasternak. He thinks Pasternak. I don't think Pasternak would be ready for the captaincy at that point. Um, looking at looking at Cap Friendly right now, popping it up because uh, it's – uh, I don't know. 
I don't know if uh, Patrice Bergeron's going to be around. Charlie Coyle's a really good good um, option because he's going to have the, uh, the the contract length. Um, Charlie McAvoy, if he gets another deal, I think could uh, or Brandon Carlo. Those are my top three moving forward. I don't think Brandon. I actually was thinking it could be Brandon Carlo if he's still here and he evens out like, you know, and comes. I know everyone wants it to be Charlie McAvoy. But I don't know if Charlie McAvoy needs that kind of pressure. He's no. still, you know, I mean, I know they will be grown men by then. Like they won't be these little 23 year old that well, we you know, want to hug and grow. Well, listen, but I just you, temperament you, wise, I think Brandon Carlo you wouldn't want to do that with Charlie McAvoy if he's going to go the route of Tory Krug and take one year, one year, one year contracts. You don't want to do that then. If you do lock him up long term, like say seven or eight years, that might be something that you could incorporate in year three of that. And then he could be the captain from there. And then, you know, but that's just, that's just, we're just playing, you know. Throwing shit at a wall and see if it, you know, sticks. Well, but. Yeah. well, my thing, too, is, like, I don't think that really, this might sound horrible, I don't know, but I don't think enough of the young kids have shown that they are captains yet. Oh. And that some of that's age, right, because they haven't needed to be the leaders because they were the young guys and they had their leaders. But it'll be interesting to watch now that... Um, Krug's gone out of the locker room. And if Char is not in that locker room and we lost David Backus in that locker room and, you know, a lot of, and Bergeron and Krejci and them, they're all, they're leaving at some point in the next three to three years or so. That's right. No five because they're older and they want to go be with their families and go to their kids' baseball and hockey <laughs> games. And, you know, as much as they love it, it's time to step back. They've done their time and they're ready they'll be ready to move on, you know? Mm -hmm. And uh, it's hard to tell, but I think like, if you are going to call it right now, I think even if on the ice, he hasn't been consistent. I think Brandon Carlo's temperament and progression has been consistent. And uh, also he's the most experienced one. Like, you know, when you take out the core, <laughs> Brandon Carlo is our veteran and he's right. like 23 years old or whatever. So I don't know. I just, I feel like he's a more calming force. You know, I think he would be better to kind of pull Charlie along. But that being said, Charlie McAvoy is great. But I just don't want it to be one of the defensemen because that's what always happens in Boston, that generally the captain, especially a long-term captain, tends to be a defenseman. And I don't know. So it's hard to say. I know everyone's going to say McAvoy. Why didn't you just say McAvoy? True that. What do we got next? there um what's this if rask isn't back next season what does the goalie situation look like that was from ray guarino uh we kind of went over this right you i i, I guess it's kind of a hot mess right now because we don't even know where anybody's playing so. if they I, I don't know what's going to happen with the cap space and so on and how they're going to use it but um <clears throat> in my opinion after after next season and one more uh full year of dan Vlada development I kind of think that he'd probably be ready for the backup role, but only in one situation, only if he's going to get in games. And regardless of what who comes back, if, if Rask comes back or if uh, Yarrow comes back or whatever, if it's a cap, you know, for a cap-friendly move, it would be Vladar under a million, but you got to play him. If you don't play him and he's just sitting on the bench, it's not worth the deal. Um, I don't care about the money either. So, But you could get somebody in there. 
Uh, goaltenders are starting to uh, come at the cheap. I don't think you're going to see goaltenders in the future making $10 million like Carey Price, $7 million like Tuka Rask anymore. I think that people are going to start coming down on goaltending prices. So, yeah, Goaltending prices got out of control for a little bit. They did. Like, they went through their, you know, because it was the market value, and people set it all the time. So when we go from there, it's just like you really shouldn't be paying these goaltenders that much, in my opinion. Yeah, there are very few goaltenders that need to make that much money. Yep. You know, even really good goaltenders don't need to make that, like, money. Um. Okay, so Michael Giorgio asks, if Char does not resign, who gets first crack at D pairing duties with McAvoy? I'm a big fan of of the Grizzlick. I want to see the BU tandem up there. I, I like the idea of the speed and, um, and the capability of... of the team giving up a puck and having those two guys with their speed get back in time uh, to not like uh, you know have an outlet rush or an outlet pass or any anything get created uh, offensively. I I just like the speed factor. I do, but I also do understand that the Bruins are very traditional in having a shutdown guy and a speed guy on each line, much like they did with the Char and McAvoy. Uh, you know, tandem coming through on the fr- on the top pairing. So, I mean that that's a that's a real um, that's going to be a real question for the defensive coaching staff of Bruce Cassidy moving forward. Is is how do you feel comfortable with with um, having pretty much? I want to say that uh, that McAvoy is a little more bulkier than Grizzlick, but they're pretty much the same size and stature and so on. Um, and that just made no sense at all because it's the same thing, but. I, I don't know. I just like I'd rather I'd like to see a Grizzly a Grizzly McAvoy line. No, I'm not disagreeing with that. <laughs> I think I've said this, made this clear. I want my BU boys on the top line. Go. I think they're go. a good pairing because Grizzly's small and McAvoy's big, but they're both quick. So we don't have to. We'll have our shutdown guy who's fast too. Yeah. And we'll also have our quick transition snapback movement. And Grizzly looked awesome when he was on the power play units yep. the last month. You know of whatever that hot mess of return to play for the Boston Bruins was. Grizzlick was not one of the people not doing their jobs. That's all I have to say, trying to do their job. And I think that that would be a really great top pair. I just do. And also, this goes back to what we talked about. And in essence, we only have really Brandon Grizzlick and McAvoy right now. I mean, Carlo Grizzlick and McAvoy right now as the veteran defensive core. And... That gives room if you know that they're going to work well, you know, and they will, they do, and you see them together. You start plugging those other kids in by Carlo, and he's ready to step up the role being the big kid there. You know, I mean, maybe if daddy could still be there, that's great. But if not, he's got to, he's ready to start passing it down because no one's expecting Brandon Carlo to be a 10 goal, 20 goal defenseman. That's what you hope like a McAvoy develops into or whatever kind of, you know. uh, 60 point, whatever. But Brandon Kyle is a solid 20 to 30 point defenseman. If when the years that he's playing, he's got the potential for that. And I think he'll be good to kind of see what these other kids do. So we can separate. Again, we need to figure out what we're doing with these prospects. We need to separate them out. Like, are you going to be able to come up and man up? Or can we get rid of you and then actually pay to have somebody who can do that? Whether that's a middle kind of pairing guy, it doesn't have to be a top end, not asking for us to go and get, you know, whatever, Roman Yossi from the Predators or whatever. I literally could not think of another NHL defenseman. I really couldn't. That was scary. Um, so that's just me. I 
I think it should be Grizzly and McAvoy and Carlo stays on that second line and they figure out who the hell else can slot in there on that second line. And at this point, whoever looks best, even if it's John freaking Moore, that's going to be after who it is because no thing. What's up? Make sure Kemper comes to No, I'm just kidding. Um, this kind of Thomas Nystrom, he, um, it, it was kind of the, it was a similar question. Uh, and if there's no further sign, so, he generally, though, had asked, like, who gets a shot and how do the pairings lineups going on? I don't know if we I know we keep talking about the defenseman. I don't know if you've actually answered a question like this. Thank you to gentlemen for all the questions that you sent in this week. I realize I wasn't reading handles and stuff, but is that I the last remember. one? Yes. Yeah, so this was the last one. So I guess quick thought on pairings. I don't know. I mean, Obviously, I'd like to go with the Matt Grizz at the at, at the top, Carlo. Um, I don't know Lauzon at the second. I really I wish I had a little more time to uh, to figure this out and write it on paper. But uh, Clifton, I'd like to see them third pairing with Savoral. I know that's kind of a rookie line, but if they don't want Chara, uh, if if Chara's not in the mix in the next season, then you're going to be forced to have in a line that you really don't trust. So it is what it is when you when you're thinking about that. But I wouldn't mind a Clifton uh, Zaboral little uh, third pairing. See, I was thinking I would put Zaboral up with Carlo to see what he can do there. Uh, that's a good one too. Yeah, and leave Clifton down because now Clifton is by ad fault your fourth. Ooh, Cliffy Lozon <laughs> freaking third pairing. With that, that's intriguing yeah, because too. That'd be kind of like a your fourth line, like a pair that would always like you know. Yeah, it might no, not that's be gritty, but it's always going to be gritty. And that's, that's intriguing you, though. I I like that. Yeah. I like that thought. And I also just think that uh, Zaboral's play would complement Carlo more. Like I I feel like I'm not saying necessarily, but I think of the three of them of the our obvious choices that you might now who knows Yerovac and I might show up at camp and just blow everyone's fucking mind and then suddenly you're like okay well you're our third guy there on the back line very well could happen club. Uh, but yeah I think like I mean I would leave Clifton on the third line I think he's earned being if we're gonna have to have a rookie third line or whatever kind of mess even though he's not like a rookie you know whatever sure. he played before I think that he's earned his right and he's shown and when he's in there he goes. He's like old school, let your body go for your team yep. kind of thing. Cliffy Goes hockey all the way through. Like that. And that's why I think like the two of them on the third pair would be just beasts. Like, you know what I mean? Like it might not be the prettiest defense you've seen for a little bit till they, you know, finish growing and get their experience a little bit more. But it's certainly going to be a little more of like the Bruins fans keep bitching we want back a little harder hitting, a little more in yeah. your face, you know, style. Bring back so, the big bad Bruins. Yeah, big bad Bruins, but in the new era, like I keep telling you, you can be big and bad. You don't have to. It, it's not all about wipeout. It's about just pounding people all the time, right? Because that's part of what makes you big and bad. It, who cares if you can throw one good punch once? It's the wearing down of your opponent. So it's over the course of a game. Hit him into the boards. Talk from here. Bump, bump, bump. Like you always say, just let them know that you're behind you when you're on the boards. Keep your hand right there, right? Yep. So anyways, thank you, Has. Ask BNG uh, responders, gentlemen, all wherever you are. I'll hope you're healthy and safe. And now for Mark's This Week in Bruins History. Yes. Uh, um, happy 80th birthday mentioned to former Boston Bruins goaltender Jerry Cheevers. The St. Catharines, Ontario native spent 12 years with the Bees in two separate tours of duties with a four-year break 
in the middle of those to play for the Cleveland Crusaders of the WHA. Uh, with the Bruins, commonly known as Cheesy, the uh, scarred and stitched masked man amassed a record of 226 wins, 103 losses, 76 ties, a career 2.89 goals against average, and career .901 save percentage. Uh, Cheevers was also the head coach of the Boston Bruins from the 1980 season to the 1984-85 campaign, appearing in 376 games as the bench boss uh, with a 204 win, uh, 126 loss, 45 tie record, appearing in the playoffs in every year but his last year when he was fired after not qualifying for the postseason in 1985. In uh, in that season, he had a 25, 24, and seven record. So, uh, rightfully so that he got the boot because after that year. It was not good. Uh, he's a two-time Stanley Cup champion in 1970 and 72. Was also inducted into the NHL's Hockey Hall of Fame in 1985. So going back to what you mentioned, is like I don't understand why this guy's not in the rafters right now, but this guy's also inducted into the Hockey Hall of Fame. Makes absolutely no sense. Yeah, sorry, I didn't know that's what your history. I like to wait until... Uh... Oh, yeah. You say it because I like the history. So, yeah, uh, yeah, no, it's it's just it's interesting. And some of the stories, especially with older players, there's a lot of like back things that we don't know about. But it doesn't make sense. Right. Because you would think that all the like I don't think we need Harry Sinden's permission anymore kind of thing. Like, I think that, you know, Cam Neely could just say, hey. Right. And especially this. This is going to sound horrible, but given like, you know, he's 80 years old. I mean, I don't know. He could live another 20 years. That's great to be a hundred, but I, I guess maybe being historian, I think there's always value and it's great to study people from books or whatever, but if you can get uh, someone's life history or their from their own, you know, talk to the veterans before they all passed away, you know, yep. like saw a, a hundred year old world war two vet walk out, survived, COVID, yes, one of the best thing, and they all saying happy birthday. Seen some stuff that generation has, but 100 years old. But it's been better to have them here, and you can ask him and let him be present in the moment. And I don't understand honoring people after they're gone unless it's a tragic situation because they deserve to be honored in their life in which they lived and accomplished their greatness, whether that's an author or an artist or a hockey goalie with the sickest mask and one of the most recognizable hockey symbols ever like you know what i mean kind and of thing. two one more cup more than the other guy well that's i guess true if you want to get me to ready but statistically <laughs> your boy Tuka is still i know ab fab so uh that being said uh that's all i have just want to say follow mark follow me follow black and gold hockey productions the podcast matt barry all the great writers at blackandgold.com uh if you are interested in joining our awesome team in some capacity, DM Mark. Uh, he's got a couple different accounts. And, yeah, maybe I'll do a podcast. It'll be like, Inga loves hockey, and the whole thing will just be like... Yeah, hurry up. We've got, we got people freaking getting spots, sending in their resumes. We'll see who survives. We'll see who survives. Yeah. All right. That being said, Patreon. Yes, please go to patreon.com slash Podcast. Donate $1 per episode. We are gaining more traction on this, but also we're gaining more prizes. We have jerseys to give away. 
uh, signed jerseys from Bruins alumni and current players. Uh, Terry O'Reilly, Jerry Chivas, birthday boy tomorrow, got his signature. Um, Anders Bjork and Charlie Coyle is on the way. That is not here yet, but I am definitely getting one. So we have four months of jersey giveaways. We're going to do this uh, on a bonus. So once a month, we're going to be giving away a jersey. But four times a month, we're going to give away Bruins-related prizes. So get on board at uh, patreon.com slash Podcast. And like I said, just a dollar per episode. It really helps us cut our operating costs, but also it gives enough to uh, roll back and buy more prizes to keep these things going for years to come. So we certainly appreciate everybody that's come on board so far. It's been amazing. It's it's just really fun. So um, we'll be, I think we're going to start, I uh, have some time-sensitive gifts that um, need to be done before 2021. Uh, the calendar year starts. So why don't we do two giveaways next week? So please remind me of that, Heather, and uh, I'll, well, I'll be getting that involved. Now. Um, but yeah, again, please go to blackandgoldhockeypodcast.com and uh, support all the writers. Uh, follow me. You can see on the screen right now if you're uh, on the YouTube, and please go to YouTube, Black and Gold Hockey Podcast, and subscribe there as well. We upload all of the uh, audio uh, episodes there along with the video so it's kind of cool we get to see cool stuff like this from top shelf hockey our, our, stuff like this yeah our faces you know so yeah we're, we're, we're cool like that but um yeah i mean it, it's been great and uh we miss matt it's two weeks in a row so hopefully next next week the internet is um is all up and running he's feeling a little better and we can get back on board so uh with that being said thank you so much to everybody um, hope all is well and, uh, and your families are safe. We're going through some tough times right now. We're going through a, a serious wave where pretty much we're going to be not doing much of anything like we have been for the last nine months or whatever. But, um, I just want to say thank you very much for everybody that's continuing to support us throughout this thing. We, we try to give everybody an avenue to listen and, and get away from all the, the COVID crap and everything else in their regular lives to <clears throat> possibly give you, uh, well, going on two hours now of, of content to like to step away from the from the uh, normality. But um, Heather, thank you so much again. Really appreciate it. And uh, we will talk to everybody next week, hopefully with a trio pod. So yeah. peace out, everybody. We miss you, Matt. Thanks again for listening to and supporting Black and Gold Hockey Podcast. Please share the show with your friends and family and don't forget to subscribe to and leave a five-star rating for the show on your favorite podcast platforms such as Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and SoundCloud. Between shows, help us keep the Bruins talk going by visiting our website, blackandgoldhockey.com, by sending an email to blackandgoldhockeyblog at gmail.com, and by following the show on Twitter at blackandgoldpod. Peace out.